This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Today, I'm going to start off the podcast as a new idea. And I've mentioned this to Wes. This is Wes Hurt from Clean Cause on today. We're going to lay the groundwork for everyone to understand a little bit of Wes's background. Wes Hurt has always been entrepreneurial and creative with a knack for branding and marketing. So after moving back to Austin, Texas, Hurt's hometown, he started his first business, Hey Cupcake, which was a huge success. People loved the cupcakes and the business was expanding. But although the business was flourishing on the outside, Hurt shares, there I was behind the scenes, isolating myself and only showing up when I needed to. I was drinking and using more and more. After continuing this vicious cycle of addiction, Hurt was eventually fired from his own company. For Hurt, it all came to a head a few years ago. This was a few years from this article. He shares, I had a moment. I knew I wasn't going to die in that moment, but it was in that moment that I knew I was going to die. Wes founded, so fast forward, Wes founded Clean Cause in 2015 with the commitment of creating a sustainable source of funding to support recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. Clean Cause is a yerba mate, better caffeine beverage company with a give back program that donates 50% of its profits to support recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. So, welcome to The Great Unlearned, Wes Hurt. Thanks for having me. Let's get into your life growing up, because you've mentioned that you grew up, you know, in a life of privilege. Yeah. And, you know, what exactly does a life of privilege mean to you? What did that look like? Sure. I mean, I, I think um, when, when I say textbook, uh, American sure. family, a family of six, my dad, you know, was a, a, as a doctor. He's retired. Um, everybody, they stayed married. I, you know, I played sports, just all the after school activities, everything, uh, and every opportunity that I ever wanted was available. Um, you know, my sister did horseback riding. Those aren't inexpensive hobbies or sports. Mm -hmm. And, and my reason for saying that is again, just that we were given, uh, any, any and every opportunity that we ever wanted. And, and the reason I, I've always felt that was important to mention when I, when I speak about my story of recovery or redemption or being able to build a successful business or one at least uh, moving in the right direction, it's important to mention where I started and, and what I was given or not um, because uh, that, that helps provide context to make it a little more accurate and also understand that like, you know, um, I think I had a leg up in many in many regards and so I don't want it to come off as though um it was just this was created from nothing in my whole life <laughs> you know well does that make it m more challenging um because listen a lot of people want to look at someone who grows up in in that type of environment like oh you've had it all you've you're lucky 
They're born on third base. Yeah, mm. there's not. You've got no problems. You've got no issues. And so I think when you when you look underneath the layers there, there's other. There's a lot more complexity to it. And so I'm curious, as things were going south, is there any? Was there any part of you that felt like, holy fuck, I had all of this opportunity and I am pissing it away? No. No, I mean, uh, the thing with addiction is it's not logical. Uh. There is, because no one would would drink um, if if they knew that the car was going to roll later that night and die. Mm-hmm. But someone with logical um, thought process says, if I drink too much tonight, um, I could roll the car and die. It brings to mind what I did want to ask because I go kind was, of extreme pretty quick. I'm like rolling cars. Well, you're bad. in good company here because okay. that's how I roll, brother. The one one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, as things like, look, we're going to talk about what happened with hey, hey Cupcake, but when it was going south, were you merely witnessing it going away and having just powerless to do anything about it? I, I don't. I don't think I cared. I don't think I was conscious enough to care. Mm-hmm. It, you're, you're in a, a spiral, a downward spiral where it, the momentum is just gaining because of the shame that you, can, you continue to accumulate from poor decisions and the consequences thereafter, which perpetuates more use, which then creates more shame. And it's just this cycle that keeps getting heavier. Explain another way, like um, you know, someone who smokes cigarettes. Cigarettes of, you know, an occasional cigarettes, fine. It's not going to do the damage that people maybe think. But when you have it in your mind that you should not be smoking the cigarette, what happens? Well, now I need another cigarette. And now I need another cigarette because of the shame and the guilt and all the things you're talking about. And so, and that's not necessarily logical. That's just some programming taking over. Like, I I don't want to deal with this. So how can I? But also... I think you're, I think it's accurate, but there's also the biochemical attachment. Mm. I mean, you're physically addicted to nicotine. That's a good point. And so you, you couple that. So that's what starts happening there. It's, it's not logical because there's been a biochemical hijacking of sorts. One that you put yourself in a position, but now you're in. There was a day that I'll never forget that I realized that I was addicted to opiates. It's because I started to have withdrawals and I said, oh shit, I'm in now. Damn it. It had removed from the 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 hypothetical. I can get addicted, yes, and maybe it is, but I'm okay because I wasn't experiencing it. So that doesn't really that's not real for me until it became real. And that day, I woke up and I still tell people this. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, I've done it, and I knew how far I had gone in that day. And that was at the beginning of my opiate addiction. And so I'm like, okay, how am I going to get out? And that's popping probably ten bike in a day or something. And so, holy sh- okay. <laughs> No, it's, that hits. Okay, so you have that awareness. Yeah. And so, and I, I've, I've dabbled in that stuff years ago. You know, one of my buddies had broken something and he had some and we all tried one, one Friday night and we're like, this is kind of fucking cool. Yeah. For us, <laughs> fortunately, it never got past potentially two in a night. Wow. Now. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. I'd rather have somebody else have them all. Like, <laughs> you eat my two, too, so you can have four. 
You're still not going to get to where I would want to yeah. be, but it's going to be better than two. So what happens when you wake up like that? You're obviously not going right to rehab. How are you? What's going on in the illogical mind? How you're going to stop this addiction? First, I need to get high because I need to get right. And the irony oh, behind- so you can think about it. It's insane. But not only do you think about it, you start to be euphoric and think about your ideas of how you're going to come back. Oh. It's the most insane thing in the world. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of people in recovery do this and will never be able to identify it in my opinion or be able to acknowledge it as truth. Because I spent years getting high to come up with the plan to become not high. <laughs> it's insane. Incredible. It's unbelievable. And it makes perfect sense. It does. So now I'm feeling, the irony is like, oh, Okay, now I'm in this place where I feel physically okay. Emotionally, because my endorphin serotonin is being scratched, I'm like, damn, if I could feel like this in that life on the other side without this, but I need this to think about how I'm going to get to that side. But that's the reason I'm able to be here is because I'm doing, it's like, oh shit. And then you just go, okay. And then over time, the addiction's growing while you're planning. In quotes. And are you are, are you using some sort of logic like, well, it's only fifteen right now. It could be worse. Or is does that no, cross no, no, your mind? no. Mine's much more. I had to make it much more sellable to myself. Mine was this isn't heroin, and I know exactly how much uh, is in each pill, and so then I'm able to regulate. I mean, it just that was at least my thinking at that moment. There's always. It's kind of like you always have something to be grateful for. There's always somebody worse than you. You you can pick your points of um yes. If that makes sense. You're able Fuck to Fuck yeah, the comparative game it it, it runs You can grade your own paper every day depending on what you set the the bar to be. I'm making an A today based on what? Yeah. Well, I woke up. Badass. You're yeah. winning. Well, I'm yeah, anyway. Um Yeah, it when I think through that part of it, it, I think that's the discussion that's not really been had in addiction is that the irony behind the scheming, the planning, the, the brilliant architecture that takes place under the influence of half an ounce of cocaine. And I'm like, we're going to get out of this, brother. Can I see the line? Uh, God is good. Wake up next morning crying your brains out going, what the hell happened and how am I going to get out of this? Boom, I need to get right again. Pop some pills, do a little blow. Okay. Let's get together and brainstorm how we're going to get out of this thing. It's just, and that happened. The fucking over loop. And over and over. For 15 years. <laughs> you know, what was the, you've, you've been to rehab six times, psych ward once? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll do like the quick, the, yeah. the, the elevator speech that you never want to give people. It is, uh, I, I, high school, pot, cocaine, some mushrooms, drinking relatively experimenting on the earlier days like everyone else then i started drinking daily and all my friends did that's the thing most of my friends are either heroin addict junkies today no shit that you grew up with oh yeah we were all so fucking extreme even at that it's weird because you always have like one or two people in a group that you'll see like oh they dabbled in they got out and i love my friends and I, i mean this in the best way like the commonality we had was extreme like we wanted to extremely feel things. And um, when I look back at those 
the, those childhood friends, the ones that we were the most sensitive, including myself. And I say sensitive because we wanted to feel or we or we had to feel something different because we were feeling something else too much. You know, yeah. It of my most sensitive friends and us, we all ended up on opiates in the worst shape. And some of so, us still oh, out there. Well, yeah, I was gonna say of that group, how many have gone the the clean route? I'd say many- about half and half, but the half that didn't. Uh, well, not just a half. I, I would say the people that got out pretty early were never really addicts. Gotcha. They weren't. They liked extreme stuff, like extreme, like almost risk. But it wasn't just tied to addiction risk. It, it's just adrenaline junkies or something. Yeah. But half of us switched, then it manifests more into like a longer term drug use and then eventually opiates. And I have a couple friends that are homeless literally on the streets today. And it's just, I don't know if they can come back and, you know, or how that would happen. But it's it's interesting when I look back at that, you know, we look back at like, oh, damn. Well, uh, and since you got clean yeah. and started Clean Cause, have have any of those guys come over and oh, cleaned well, I mean, it up? What's, what's fascinating is so uh, one of our sales directors got sober a couple of years before me. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked him up drunk. I even had a I even had a heart to serve us and ourselves before I got sober. <laughs> I picked my buddy up was on methamphetamine, two days, no food or anything, sleeping in a car with he couldn't find his keys, no wallet, barefooted. I show up and I'm like, dude, let's get you some help. And and I show up and and I literally will never forget this. I had like a 24 ounce like natty light. And I was like, is it okay if I drink this while I take you to rehab? And he's like, it's fine, dude. I mean, it, it shows the point of relativity. I still had a cold beer and I needed it, but I had enough empathy and, and wherewithal to be like, well, at least I'm not here. And so there was probably some subconscious rationalization going on. I'm like, I'm going to save him. So I'm going to buy myself some more license, continue drinking my 24. Yes. And boom, I picked him up, which is another thing we can talk about with what's happening today. But, uh, but so I picked him up, took him to this rehab. He went the long route. He's our national, one of our national sales directors today. Seven years sober, he went up from, he grew up in the same uh, community I did with everything under the sun in terms of uh, resources and support, but he went the long route. He went to Salvation Army, got paid $7 a week doing labor, then went to sober living, and then went and started a little job waiting tables, and then became the number one sales rep at a solar panel company, like a huge one. This all happened in a short period of time. Uh, which was, yeah, so he came the long way with his life over two years. Wow. Then I decided to get sober five years ago, and I call him up, and I'm like, dude, I need somebody. I need you to just risk everything you just built back and come with me because I need some emotional and real support for someone to grab the balls that we're about to try to do with this yeah. 50% give back as addicts in recovery, trying to sell some shit up and down the street. And he said yes. And I was like, what the? What's wrong with you? Let's go. Wow. You know, but um, no, I mean, I look back at that. That was a pivotal moment to look back and go, a guy who had just rebuilt his life was willing to risk it. And I was paying him $40,000 a year. I asked him to come over for $40,000 a year in like, uh, eventually bought him like a really shitty, like dorky car that looks like a mullet driving. We, we, had, we still so good. we still call it. I'm like, dude, you came back, brother, and look at you now. You got that mullet, brother. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, it's a it's a cool part of the story, and it's one that I like. I really honor the guy and stuff. But my point is, yeah. So he's come on, and then um, and then we have several other people. My best friend, uh, who 
who was part of that core crew. Um, he came on as our CFO um, a couple of years ago. But what was crazy about that is he had no real direct tie to addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a year later, his brother killed himself. Um, and I talked to his brother the night before. And so I had a connection with a lot of these guys' brothers who were struggling, but mm-hmm. they weren't. And they were my best friends, but they would reach out to me that they knew. I guess my point is saying that is like all of this stuff, addiction affects us all now, past or in the future. It will eventually rear its head. And I never thought it would be that manifest in that direct of a way that was so insane. Not one that I would ever have anticipated. It was a product of addiction, the suicide of a guy who was my best friend who had seen me come out of mine. It wasn't relevant for him local, you know, internally other than a good friend. But the love you have for a family member is typically, in my opinion, a little greater or different type. It's blood. Mm. So when that happened, it was just like, oh my God, what am I kidding me? And so, and that's continued to grow. We've had a lot of people that as this thing has gained a little more momentum um, saying, dude, let's go. You know, I can see this thing working as a business, but also the cause and it resonates. And so I can drink the clean aid, as I say. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I tell them too, investors, sorry, I'm going a little off, but I'm like, you have to drink a little clean air. I believe this is going to work. Yeah. And if you're not willing to, this isn't the right thing for you. No. Just like like your buddy who got on board at 40,000, like he was drinking it. He believed in you because he was coming off. Obviously, he had a great thing going on. Yeah, his life. I mean, he was, and he thrives in stability and routine Mm -hmm. now, which is, is, for me, is not, I don't. I don't prefer that. Maybe I would thrive if I was ever able to like really accept that or something. Mm. I get, I get my, I guess my point is that's just not my cup of tea, so to speak. Mm. So I'm like, um, so for him to move from that space too is what makes it even more compelling to me, more profound. Because if I was just a chaotic guy selling Cutco day to day and I had not built anything up, and there's nothing wrong with selling Cutco, by the way. Yeah, it's cool. You just just... it's cool as shit. But I'm saying it's a different type. (laughs) Right, right. you were just a fill in the blank. It was a different type there. of job, Cutco's out there. So just know, nothing but love. Anyway, um, yeah. So and and then, but like, uh, yeah. So it's been amazing just to see to see how my childhood and um, what we thought the world would unfold as, and and how it actually does. So that's there's there's a few things I, I really want to cover today. Because I want you to continue to speak on the life of an addict and what, because we all have them in our lives, but I think in a lot of cases we don't understand and we see them through a particular light and lens and it's, it's incorrect. And, um, but I also want to, I also, oh, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. One of my best friends. Um, struggled with opiate addictions um, to a degree that I can't even imagine the amount of um, Vicodin he was taking in Norcos. I mean, like you were talking about taking a handful and chewing them up. He was doing that seven, eight times a day and uh, almost died twice. The reason I bring it up is because three times... I had a heart to heart with him and three times he lied to me. L- let me rephrase that three times 
he couldn't face the truth. You know, he didn't lie to me. Now, that's how I took it. Did he have the capacity to tell you the truth? No. I, I, I don't know if he did or didn't. I'm just curious. No, and, yeah. for, and, and, and I didn't understand that at the time. And so he's sober now and doing amazing. That's awesome. Um, and where I got stuck for a little while was, look at what he put me through. I had to have the hard conversation with him, and he lied to me. And now he's doing great. Where's my pat on the back? Now, how do you know he's not lying to you right now? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. Really? Is there any silver lining in this conversation? Yes. The silver lining is is that I woke the fuck up and realized it had nothing to do with me. No, it doesn't. My role was to be there for him in any way that I could be and to try to let him know that he wasn't fooling anyone that we all saw this and not take it personally. And that when he got sober, just be super grateful that he got sober and he got his life turned around. And so my point is, when you talked about it earlier, it's not logic. He's not thinking, well, I'm just going to lie to Cal. He's, there's so many things going on in the mind that are unconscious and he's just trying to protect whatever that glass house is or so I just want to give people context. Like what is it? Oh God. There's just there's a lot of meat in what you just talked about. There's yeah, a ton of it. I so mean just chew off a, a little piece. A lot, yeah. Uh make me think about brisket more. What you're using that metaphor. I love brisket. <laughs> I'm sorry, if all your listeners are plant based, I'm not. But, um I eat a little bit. Um the uh so we talk about black and white. For in in uh, when I ask questions like, does he have the capacity to be honest? It's not because I'm implying he doesn't, or or he does. I'm asking questions that mm-hmm. that are variables that all aggregate into what our experience is. And so, and any one of them could be a reason for for the conclusion or the experience. So I. I'll stop talking in some pseudo pseudo intellectual. But I love it. Sense. Any one of one of a, a variable. thousand variables could be the reason. But we, when you went to the doctor when I was a kid, yeah, I walked in and I was jumping all over the place. Okay, yeah. wow, your kid is hyperactive. Yes, like damn, he's so hyperactive. The question I wish he would ask my parents was, did he eat any Skittles before he came in here? Yes. He never asked that question. There was never context. People don't like me because I talk about context a lot. Mm. And I'm like, give me context. You're welcome here, It's not brother. hot outside because mm. it's only relative. And I'm, yes, am I a relativist that will go on forever and will never have any substance? No. But I'm trying to say, let's at least have some type of framework, some type of hula hoop that we can get in both of us to say, yeah, we generally agree that those generalizations are accurate. So my point is, so again, I'm going all over the place, but to come back to what you were talking about, how... So he lied to you. You're identifying that you're saying, look, what my realization was, he wasn't lying to me. It wasn't at me. And then I'm also weighing out what your expectations might have been. Your expectation was he would tell you the truth. Yes. And so you were upset when you found out he wasn't telling you the truth, where there's two sides of this, where I think one of the expectations is I'm going to, for myself and my truth, let him know that I care. Let him know that he's not fooling anyone. Let him know. So now I've given mine. 
my part. That was my self-expectation I delivered on. That I'm <laughs> right, give right, my right. fucking resolve and my position, and you need to understand my perspective. Do you get it? If you do, I'm going to send you a DocuSign. We're going to take care of that. Now, the flip <laughs> side is on your ass that you didn't lie. You lied to me. Well, did you sign that he wasn't? And my point is expectations, just uh -huh. the idea of expectations, because I speak to people every day about this. And they're like, what the fuck do I do, man? I've done this so many times with him, blah, 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 over and over. He lies to me and said, I go, yeah, doing the same thing, expecting different results is insanity or whatever. Mm -hmm. If it is or isn't, it doesn't matter. But we all say that and we've heard it. Mm -hmm. So is he doing the insane thing or you? Right. Or both of you? Okay, so there. Okay, so just food for thought. You know, step away with that. You know, my opinion on some of that stuff is... Uh, you know, somebody said something pretty profound to me and I was blown away because I was talking about a mentor and someone I love to like a therapist, essentially. And he goes, he goes, Wes, maybe that guy's giving you everything you, he can give you. And I'm like, what? And it's like, because that implies that I can't get what I want out of him or try to uh, talk. And by that, I mean, not get out of him. I'm saying that I was left with something that I hadn't gotten something that that was it was incomplete or something because I'm bitching about that person. I'm saying, dude, they won't like listen or my friend won't go to rehab or just tell me, yeah, I am a liar. Whatever. It's like, maybe he's giving you everything he can. And that's just who he is in your life. And now it's just about you giving without expectation. It's receiving without judgment and giving without expectation, Wes. Everything's so fucking transactional in your life. And I'm like, oh, damn it. It is. That's it right there. Yeah. That, that for me. I needed something. That was the shift was going from transactional to giving without the need for quote-unquote reciprocity yes no and expectation that is, that is true giving there's no expectation so the stuff we're talking about here i think you know we have it under the context of like addiction and trip but this is like this is universal truths that apply across the board exactly which is what i love to be able to do to tie this to say hey, this isn't just about a petri dish of so in an addict and you sprinkle some cocaine in there and something goes wrong. Look, these are, we're all humans. And these are just, these are just the, 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 these are just the particular flavors. Like I told you, I said, you know, addiction is my flavor of affliction in this life, but we all got one. We all, we all got one. some shit. And um, so, but it still speaks, I think, to expectations. I think that's the greatest um, mistake I continue to make in my life mm. that I can hear the truth about giving without expectation or without strings attached, it starts to sound really good when you say that at the beginning too. You're like, wow, this person's getting wise. and blah, blah, blah. But behind your own eyeballs, when you walk away from that person, you have to answer yourself, do I truly have zero expectation? Yeah. By the way, it's okay if you have expectation. You just get to deal with the consequences of that expectation being met or not. And don't put it on someone else. No, exactly. You just sit with that no, that's shit. That's what I'm saying. It's yes, yours. exactly. It's your win or loss or your consequence that's either good or bad, but it's yours. Yeah, and own so, it and be okay with it because yeah. we're fucking, back to your point with your mentor said, we're all, I do believe, and I think you, what you're saying is we're all doing the best we can. Sometimes we're just in a really shitty place with really shitty tools and yeah. lack sometimes of consciousness. Sometimes our brain is, sometimes we just ate Skittles that fucking morning. Yeah. Sometimes uh, we didn't sleep. So did I ask you, oh, I didn't know that you're hypersensitive to not being asleep because your electricity went out. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, but now I'm going to judge this experience with you and I right now based on whatever I'm just seeing without any context. Yeah. I didn't know you hadn't been up for three fucking days. I didn't know that. No, but anyway, I started going all over the place. But that's what, I, and I think that's one of the, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of the big learnings for me is 
I think we're we're so used to this this illusion of certainty that we know. We know that if we do this, this is going to happen. You talked about it earlier. We think we know what's going to happen in the future. We can predict a week out, a year yep. out. Yep. Why do we do that, you think? So, oh, go ahead. I'll tell you. Well, yeah. Why do you think that we think we can or we, we like the idea of being able to think we can? It comes down to control. Okay. And why? Why do we want to control something? Because it is unknown. It, and it's unknown. An unknown does what for us? Makes a lot of people afraid. A fear. fear. It's fucking fear for me. And so it's fear and anxiety without the, without knowing the future, without yeah. knowing how it's going to affect me. Because then I can't prepare psychologically in advance, so I don't have to feel that pain or the fact that you know that it's got something eventually will not work exactly the way that I want, and I'd like to be prepared for it fully. You know, because then I'm I'm okay. I'm comfortable. Here's what I think is so funny about that, because I think it's all I think it's it's. It's a universal kind of uh, sentiment, regardless of who, how deep you are and grounded in mm-hmm. the present. Like I, I think there, there's absolute value in that. But I'm just saying as a generalization, um, you know, I've I've thought about this idea of, um, you know, the thing for someone in recovery or an addict is that when I take a sip of alcohol, like I, I don't want a sip. First of all, mm-hmm. I want a fucking keg, and mm-hmm. I want two eight balls to myself. Mm. Like I, I'm not interested in a sip. That's number one. Number two, when people say that we don't have a decision or a choice or they say it's a disease or not, I'm not necessarily, uh, I don't subscribe to that. Not because I think it is or isn't. I don't think it's productive. I think it's a bottleneck in the conversation for progress, which is a separate topic. But my, my point for saying that was what I do lose control over or do not have control over as a person who has been addicted to things is when I drink it the first sips. When it hits my system, I'm gone. I'm off to the races. And I don't, I have lack of control. So it's not before the drink for me, oftentimes, whereas a lot of people in recovery think it is. It's after I take that sip. So here's my point. Because I'm trying to tie it together to people who I'm trying to bridge the gap between understanding between someone who struggles with addiction and people who just it's so foreign. Yeah. So now think about this. The world is in a metaphorical rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Where now people who don't struggle with addiction are powerless over the circumstances and things that even under no chemical influence, they were able to control or at least feel safe within. Mm -hmm. So now extrapolate a little bit. I'm not asking for anybody to have sympathy or empathy or pity for an addict because now don't you know how we see the world? We're fucking powerless. Exactly. Look at you. What the fuck are you going to do today? You're Mm -hmm. thinking about, I can't go do anything. I'm thinking about the only thing I can do is drugs. Fuck. And I'm saying there's something really interesting in that position um, that I I can't get to the bottom of it yet, but this this idea that we're like collectively powerless and within degrees has just been fascinating to me uh, being someone in recovery and and always trying to explain to others what it's like being an addict. And... um, Well, I I love what you said recently as we're in this this um state of quarantine that the best thing that someone can do especially in recovery is to be of service of some to someone else yeah and so and i love that just for the simple fact that it 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 takes the the um the focus off self and all the flaws that we seem to find when we go down that rabbit hole which is not 
which is true and not true. We're the, we're all of it. And our, I think our biggest issue is that we don't accept all of it. And so that's where these other addictions and whatnot come in for the escapism of that. But we're actually of service of others. I mean, that's, that's for me, I feel like that's the reason we're here on some level is to serve others, whatever that means to each individual. Yeah, I think you're speaking to contentment, fulfillment, purpose, any of those kind of synonymous things of like, what is like, what's right or wrong or what, like, what's my calling? What's inside, you know, like to me, one practical reason for trying to serve others is that it practically gets you out of your head. I mean, if I have, if my foot is broken and I cut my, the top of my hand, then the attention shifts to the top of my hand, even though the, the wound that, so there's a real practical one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, so that's just a, so for anybody out there logical, you can apply that and then you can go in deeper and say, it's, it's the, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to feel good and, and, and feel content and all these things. And I want to try to like uh, spell out what that means and, and like define that versus experience it and, and, and experience it by serving others. Because if I just, if I call somebody out, but dude, like it, like serving others was not just people in recovery. It's just serving others. Yes. I reached out to my graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And so he and I go back and forth and we're hyper productive and we move really fast. We don't wear, you know, we don't in the morning when we talk, we don't say, how was your night? We're just like, this, what's up, dude? Hey, I need to get you going on that. It's just hit the ground running. And so, but I stopped for a moment. because I'm like, he's not in recovery. He's not this, but I do know that he lives in a van. And travels the country and even though he's in isolation it may be a different type of isolation for him no and so i just texted him i said how are you doing and uh the amount of gratitude he had for that was unusual was unusually high mm-hmm. and me going this is not this is just me checking in with my boy in a very way that he knew was real and and that it wasn't it wasn't about this was a human cause, not about him being an addict and checking on somebody who's at and I was like, damn, you you have the power addict or not, or someone in recovery or not, to serve anyone on the planet. And it and it accomplishes the same thing, which is that idea of getting out of yourself and the byproduct or the product and that fulfillment or contentment or sense of purpose or something more in that vein, because it's just not within your own head thinking about your fucking self. Well, and then the other component is connection. Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's beyond that surface. Hey, how you doing? Whatever. It's hey, man, how are you doing? Like, there's a different energy to that, and he felt it clearly. And that's it. It's. It, I think that's what. Yeah. Most of us are craving is that that connection, authentic connection. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. So we think about because I have a business, and I'm like, what can we today that is I say juxtapose maybe because I just learned that word recently or something. <laughs> and that's you're supposed use to use it as soon I'm as like, you learn so it so it's juxtapose I know I'm using the X before the T and I think there's a T in there so anyway juxtapose <laughs> position of uh, of this idea of what were we just talking now I'm thinking about <laughs> damn it I got problems man see the drugs do have side effects alright well you know one of the things that I did want to ask you about because I think people finding their purpose, it, it, it's for a long time has just not sat well with me. The, the way it's being sold to people is, again, I don't think it's, it's um, 
there's any bad intentions. Sure. The people selling these books on how to find your purpose, but I think generally they're they're flawed, deeply flawed. And what I've heard you say is, first off, don't try to find what your purpose is. And we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, and I'm a big believer. There's 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 no way to fucking know no. what you're to do 20 years down the road, let alone a month. But like head in that direction. And what you've talked about is start with figuring out what's not part of it. And there's a lot of shit in our lives. And you can do it quick. Yeah. There's a lot that's really quick. <laughs> it's a big brisket they slap down. Have you ever seen a brisket being cut? Have you? Yeah. The very first one, yeah. they cut off half of it yeah. and it's fat. And you're like, was I getting charged for that whole thing in the first place? Yeah. No. Yeah. But my point is half of that thing just thrown away. And I've said, like, wait, there's got to be something good. And they're like, no, 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 no. That was one cut and half of it's gone. Half of the stuff that you know already that you're not supposed to be doing that you continue to keep in the mix. Yes. Maybe you fear finding what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know. Shit, but we do know that, like, I think what you were about to speak to, you can do one, you can do a pretty big cut in one day to clear out the, the brush. What is not serving you? And just start with that. And again, yep. don't, don't figure out what you're supposed to no. do. Head in the direction. And, and I gave you, I, I just gave you that book by my friend Boyd Vardy and, and listeners of the podcast have heard about it plenty, but the Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And one of the things, you know, Boy talks about a lot of different principles within it, but it's those things that feel expansive, do more of those. Those things that feel more constricting, don't do those anymore. And just tune in to back to what you were saying earlier in the podcast. How do you feel? Not get out of the mind. Don't rationalize why you should do this or shouldn't do that. Get out of the should game. Go into how does this fit? When I do this thing, how do I feel? I feel like shit. Okay, let's not do that. Right. <laughs> it's like, if you're not willing to do that, if, let me say, if I'm not willing to do that, then I'm not sure how convicted I am to, in quotes, find this elusive purpose thing I say. Mm -hmm. How bad do I really want to find something that's meaningful if I'm not willing to be intellectually honest with myself about the things I know that do not serve me? Mm. And it's like, I, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do both at the same time. Let me find my purpose while I'm not serving anything that maybe even I would write out to be, that I'm actively living in that moment. And so by that I mean, yeah, I think you're right. So I think the most simple way of thinking about it is it's like a process of elimination mm -hmm. is how you start out. Just start to eliminate the things, like you said, that don't serve you and you're really fucking clear on that. If you're not willing to do that and you just want some burning bush or some text from God, well, then sit around and see if it comes. Yeah. It might. It's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> yeah. So I'm only 50% right. There you go. You know, but my, yeah, my point is, is like, are you willing to face yourself, get in front of a mirror and go, okay, I'll, I'll drink that Kool-Aid for a minute. I, process, I just eliminate the shit that doesn't serve me. Anyway. You know, one thing that I think is important to mention is when I talk about all this, anything that I've said to you that would even be remotely in the vein of wisdom, like I'm a fucking mess still completely. And I think it's, um, by completely, I mean, I think I'll always completely be a mess. And I know that sounds weird, but it's like, you know, I'm a father of two kids and I don't know what the hell to do. 
I don't know what's going on. I'm 20 years behind in terms of arrested development and everything that was happening in everyone else's brain during that time. I'm not a victim. It's just a part of it. I was kind of gone for 20 years of a natural progression that is accumulated experiences that have brought you to the person you are right now and how articulate you are and thoughtful and insightful. Mine has been more fragmented and pulling things, so it's not as cohesive. So in these different chapters of life, I'm just behind because of the lack of the accumulated uh, experiences that would guide you, you know? And so my point of saying that is I'm not behind. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's the, and by I'm saying behind, I don't want to use that well, you word. Get on a, well, you're getting on a, like a timeline. It's like not, I'm yeah, this year's not, old and this is, it's but, which I think is bullshit. No, I think it's it what you're talking about. It is bullshit. And I, I guess what I was saying is, is like, like, like had I told you that I want to grow up and take 35 Vicodin in a day, smoke crack, live in a warehouse with another homeless guy, and then post on Facebook how I've been doing all of this stuff and I'm ready to start a new company. If that was my way to find the thing that's given me the most fulfilling joy, I never would have mapped that out or planned that. Shit, I thought it was going to be worth millions 20 years ago because I came up with some plastic bag that was biodegradable. You know, I don't know, but like it was never this plan and I have more joy and fulfillment than I've ever had in my life. That's it right there. Stop trying to figure out exactly the steps you're supposed to take because you never know. And, you know, you're... your path, there, there are some extreme points of it. And to, just to, to, to your point, yeah, no one's going to confuse you with Ramdas, okay? Yeah. But the wisdom is the wisdom. And the wisdom isn't because you read it somewhere. The wisdom is because you fucking lived it. And, and for me, that means more than anything. You talk from your direct experience. And pe- listeners of the podcast know that I beat this fucking drum all the time. But that's why I was so interested in having you on today because you're not talking about some shit you learned in college. You, the game of life, that fucking school, brother. Like, think about the people who didn't have that arrested development. There are still a lot of them. Well, We're like myself three, but four you, years but, ago. Uh, but see, that, that's the thing is when I say arrested development, I'm saying it within the, the, the context of what most society would look at on a traditional timeline. Because exactly. I have to be able to call it something to be able to have it in the discussion. I don't think it's going back at all. I think it blessed me to be able to do something radical for my own life, I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying radical for the world, guys. I'm saying just for my own life. Something that I always wanted. Here's why. Had I gone a normal course, because I've broken this down. Had I gone a, in quotes, normal timeline, lifetime line, yeah. I would have been divorced 17 times. But, um, and I never would have made the first decision. They would have. But um, I, I would have gone to college in four years. Yeah. I would have graduated. I would have become probably a salesman or something yeah. somewhere, or maybe some marketing. Mm-hmm. I never would have been on this path to like say, do you think I would have come out of college and said, let's start a brand that we're 50% of the, like, that doesn't even make sense to like a business course. You're like, they're like, you're a fucking idiot. And then next, it's like all of this shit. Yeah. They're like, you're gone. Bye. <laughs> you're like, you want to give away half of your profit? The thing that you like, I, I think it's noble. I'm not investing. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's like, but my point is, is, is like, you know, um, I wouldn't, I, I, I had a blessing to not be on that same course. Because otherwise, because then I got in quotes fucked up and thrown off course. I got to get back on in a new original path. 
from from inception. I didn't. I wasn't breaking a course. I was I was blazing my own trail, and and I was like, oh shit, because none of those people that went that normal course could stop today, because the responsibilities that you gain as you're going start to increase risk outside of your own human being, i.e. your little beings inside mm -hmm. or my babies, where the risk changes. You can still make bold decisions in life, but it's where other people on the outside will perceive them a little bit reckless because it's not only your livelihood that's on the line. So my brother-in-law or others that I know that took that traditional path and nothing wrong with it because they're comfortable and happy, they could not start their own business. It'd be very fucking hard because you'd have to do what was perceived as somewhat reckless to the whole world around you. And if it didn't work, like most don't, then you were seen of having a lack of judgment, wisdom, maturity, Failure. importance of your family, provider. And so it was like, dude, I was kind of insulated in this odd way that I could have never engineered to be able to fulfill my greatest aspirations and dreams and things that get me fired up from head to toe. You know, I, I love the idea of taking this shit on every day. And go out. It's what gives me life, you know. Well, and that's what again, like, not not to continue to quote the book, but what Boyd likes to say is the path of not here is part of the path of here. And so going, and and I've lived that as well. I've fucked things up, and understood that that is not the way, and so it puts me back on the right path. And so I love, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I and I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think to have the inspiration, the creativity, the not giving a fuck attitude, there has to be a bit of delusion in there. I mean, I know for me that as I've stepped into this new space and, and started to envision it, I've let go of all this idea of how so, things so are supposed to be. It's not delusion, though, that because you're aware of it, it's fear that you're letting go of, maybe. Mm. You, do you see what I'm saying? Because by saying it's delusion, that there's a point of relativity that says that that's true. It's delusional. Someone's telling you mm. that or something. It, do you see what I'm saying? Like, how could it be delusional? I guess maybe I mean delusional, yeah. a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Um, and it, I think you're right. I think it's a process of letting go of fear, and sometimes it comes back in. I got, I got what you're saying with the delusion. Okay, yes. And I don't mean that negatively. I just mean, like, you... In the context of the way a traditional yes, he's fucking to listen to listen to West talk. He's it's, fucking delusional. It's delusional. Yeah, because they, it, there's not an understanding because it's not logical. It's like not how could you think that? It's oh yeah, dude. I get nuts because like even when we say like you know, dude, I'm a guy that doesn't believe in most of the things that have been done before us. But let me let me say that foundational thing. Like what do you mean? Let, a two by four. Why is it two by four or two by four? It's not two inches by four inches. Who the fuck can define that? We use that to build houses. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I mean, that's a stupid example, but my point is, is who fucking says that, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the finish line. I don't agree with the starting line. What the fuck are you talking about? You've got me so far off center that, like, so when I think about being bold in business and stuff, I think it's only bold in contrast to like our antiquated, like comfort level thinking. It's not bold. It's new. It's fresh. It's less in quote safe, yeah. but it's, it's, it's fucking logical actually, because you're speaking to the things that resonate with people. For me, the cause 
and you talk about brand connections, I can go build a brand that has no real deep cause and put together an ethnic group that's diverse, people playing guitar in front of Central Park and telling you how I'm going to resonate with you deeply. Or I can find something that's super emotional because I know it's affected me and I'm affected by it on a relevant daily basis and make that as our anchor to know that that's an absolute truth to me. I don't care about the the makeup on this whole topic in terms of how I say addict or person in recovery and how they're going to see it. What I saw and knew at the core was it affected us inside. And that was my eureka moment beyond a shadow of doubt. You know, we don't want to talk about it. Everyone's affected by it. We're confused by it. It's destroying our country in ways that we don't even continue to talk about in, 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 the, the, you know, in every sense of the way. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100 people will die of drug overdose today. Um, you know, they made their decisions. It's not COVID. I get it. We can, we can split. And, but my point is, is um, what is safe? What's safe thinking? 10% lifetime value of trade market over blah, blah. False. Yeah. False. <laughs> safe is missionary. Like what the hell? You, you, yes. What are you talking about? Nothing is. That's why like, and then people are like, he's still on drugs. You won't even, he's not even willing to have a rational conversation. And rational? there's the fear that comes up in them. Like I can't relate to you. So you're on drugs. Cause I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. I had someone about. ask me two days ago. Why are you so agitated? Are you on drugs? You they heard? asked me that. And I go, and I was about to jump onto the whole reactionary train, like, good for you. How fucking dare you? The first thing <laughs> you have to is have to do this. Are you this because of this? And so I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that today. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's stupid. And I go, uh, but I, I did have to think about it. Well, go, that's your, that's, I mean, I would argue that's you being inspired. This so, is what inspiration looks like to you. And I, God, would you tell my wife that, please? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm staying like, out of babe, that. I'm not mad. I go, I'm emotional. She goes, you're yelling. I'm, going, I'm not yelling. I was like, do you, I go, do you want me to be Ben Stein? I go, because I can go, and I go, I go, someone needs to invent a stupid fucking, like whatever the little, what are those deals that you blow horn, but yet whatever you talk through megaphone. And when I go, it puts a head around a mask around oh. me and I get to scream and it comes out and it says, I don't agree with what the world. Has it's a before. mini phone. <laughs> Fucking perfect. Drive me nuts. Uh, all right. So I, I did cut you off when you were, g- give us the, the elevator pitch on, oh. on like through Hey Cupcake and, you know, through the stints. And I want to talk a little bit about the psych work because I've, I've never really talked to anyone who's been in one. So yeah, that was amazing. That. So, okay. So pre Hey Cupcake, just there was about a 15 year span. Of I, I moved. I was living in Austin. I, I moved out of Austin. I moved to Alabama, Alabama, dude. I got long hair because so you won't be able to see me on the podcast probably. But I got long hair and kind of. And I've You'll see been, in the clips. Oh, okay. Um, but my point is, like, get like I don't belong in all Alabama necessarily. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture of Auburn University and I saw the leaves, man. I said, damn, those look pretty. I want to go there. That's how I made the decision to go yeah. to Auburn. Yeah. So I went there. Went there for a year. Found myself like Andy Dufresne looking up in the in the rain one night in the middle of this thing in the summertime. No one was there and I was lonely and I wasn't experiencing freedom like he was. I was screaming up at the fucking world saying, kill me now, God. 
with the, I don't care. I'm so reckless. That's wow. where I was at in that state. So then mm -hmm. I pack up my bags and pull another geographic and move to Hollywood. My best friend's an actor in Hollywood or trying to be like everyone else. And I move in with him, um, end up just uh, cocaine and everything just accelerated as Hollywood would do. Um, I ended up one night uh, just partying at some mansion with like 50 gay guys and just super red, like it. Ended up taking uh, my friend's car there, rolled it down a, a hit, uh, like a not a mountain, but it's Hollywood, and so the, the, it's yeah, really hilly, really hilly. And, and and I rolled the car several times, and I get out. The car was standing upright. Everything was broken on it. The lights were on. There was no song on. That would have made it more meaningful. That would have been cool. I'm like, fuck, fuck. It couldn't have been like 50 Cent. And, and you're in fucking Hollywood. But of in other words, Hollywood, it could have been 50 Cent. And I launched this brand that gives back 50%. Like, fuck! Anyway, there was no music playing, but the lights were on. And so I walked away from the car, just started walking down the hill and never came back. Never knew what happened in the car or anything. Call my friend, tell him, look, I rolled your car. He says, shut up. I said, no, I love you. I rolled your car. And he goes, shut up. And I go, I rolled your car. And he goes, oh, fuck. Ended up in a psych ward the next day. I was arrested because How old I was were a, you? a public nuisance or something. Um, I was, dude, I have no clue. How old am I now? 42. So I was probably, I was probably like 25. Okay. Something like that. Mm -hmm. 28. Ended up uh, being arrested uh, as under some kind of thing of like a, I don't even remember exactly, but it was like I was a public danger, basically. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was arrested, taken in there and, and strapped down to a medical bed and taken into a place and... And I'll never forget this. And I don't know if I'm, I might be lying about this. So I might've made this up because sometimes you start, you'll see what I'm saying, but I'll, I was sitting in there and the person, so the drugs had gotten out of my system. I was in there. What, were, you, what were the drugs at that point? Uh, I was just, I'd done a ton of Coke that night before and I, mm -hmm. no opiates or anything, really just Coke and, and drinking. Those were my deals. I would do Coke so I could keep drinking. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I just kept going. But um, the, so I'll never forget like them telling me to take the pills they were giving me. And, and I just said, I, no, 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 I, I'm not crazy. And they're like, yeah, we, we know. I was like, are you crazy? No shit. And they're like, hey, like petting my hair. It's okay. We know. And I'm like, for some reason, I remember just even that thought or something of going, holy shit. If you were not crazy and you were telling places that you were in a psych ward that's specifically for people that are losing their shit, and you're trying to tell the people that you haven't lost your shit, but there's a reason why you're in there. It, I just, it's this weird place of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> this good. Yeah, I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> so that, that happened. I'm glad you laugh about it, you know. I got out of there, and, um, and uh, I ended up in Tijuana. Or actually, no, I went to rehab. No, that's where things get crazy. I went to a rehab right after that. Uh, went to a rehab for 30 days. Got out of that. Stayed sober for like a week or something in a sober living in, in California. And just said, fuck it. And just went to Tijuana. Started walking the streets of Tijuana. Like literally just like I had a guitar, backpack, a little bit of cash. And just, just doing drugs with people in Tijuana. And now you know what Tijuana is today. It's like the top dangerous place in the world. Back then it still wasn't cool if you were just like an American walking around by yourself. Like saying who wants to party. You know, and nothing happened to me, man. It's a really weird thing looking back at it. I'll never forget. Like no one screwed with me, never messed with it. I was there for a couple of days. You know, ended up. Um, so, oh, but the psych ward. You know, I don't remember much. Mm -hmm. 
other than um, looking back to this day, still even 15 years or whatever later, and remembering a couple of the people I met and knowing their condition and knowing that they really were in a spot of like peril where they were going to die. I was like, oh my gosh. So I remember the experience of being there with other people and me looking at them with empathy and going, oh shit. But not maybe having that full awareness for myself. Mm. And so maybe I was in the exact same place, don't know. Like, I don't really belong here, you know, Mm -hmm. just having a bad day. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and so I know a little bit of the story, but won't you share with everyone, like, how it turned for you? Yeah. And I know, like, everyone was like, we're out. Like, you had no one to turn to. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I went too long on that. No, not at all. You you skipped to. So I started a a cupcake business. Like you said, that's when, uh, towards the end of that business is when I picked up the opiates. Actually, you know what? Tell people a little bit about that business because, you know, food trucks are big in Austin. They're big everywhere now. But this was at the very beginning. It was at the very beginning of of the truck craze. There were a couple other popular ones in town in terms of uh, they they were like little cult followings. So they Mm -hmm. weren't in big like uh, places like a lot of exposure to the public. But people are starting to know it was getting in the know and and it was starting to go. And so I was like, damn. And I had some other grandiose idea before that that I couldn't do or was too high or just was never realistic to start with. I was up in uh, New York. I met some girl. She, I ended up dating her. It's a long story, but she took me to the Magnolia and I'm sitting there and I see the number of people walking out of Magnolia Bakery with a cupcake that was $3 and how fast it was going through. And I did all the math in my head really quick. I was like, she's talking, but I'm not listening. And I'm like, $3, 100 people, this group, boom, I'm launching a cupcake place. Three months later, I launched a cupcake place in Austin. And uh, so I came back town, launched it in Austin. It was the first business I could put my arms around, i.e. I could... It wasn't so grandiose. I couldn't get a trailer and make a cupcake. I thought it was gonna be pretty damn amazing. Yeah. So launched that. It failed at first. Went back, launched it again. I think I had the balls to do it largely at that time because of alcohol too. Mm-hmm. It helped me be pretty fucking bold. I'm not going to lie. That progressed. It grew. Um, towards the end of that business, I picked up the opiates and it went from popping four to 35 Vicodin by the end of that period, which yeah. was about a two-year period of time from four to 35 and smoking crack and throwing stuff on top of that. Um, and at that point is when I got cut off in life, is what I would say, from everyone who loved me and I loved, from business, my wife out of the house, anything you could ever imagine of anyone I would say that I cared about, gone. And they had a unified position. Before we uncover that piece i i again i think uh for a lot of listeners they haven't really heard an experience of someone using crack and how that happens um sure. and one other thing i wanted to point out and i love that you brought it up having the alcohol addiction cocaine that in some ways allowed for this boldness and it i think people and again i, I don't want to say we're a pro fucking addiction podcast but the, the deal is is alcohol and drugs can allow for you to be less self-conscious and can allow no question think about why people do it when you go out you have a couple of drinks you loosen up and you get to i'm mr clean so i'm not allowed to say that but i'm gonna say that yes yeah. like what i tell people is Look, we're not even here to condemn drinking or doing drugs. I literally will tell people, if you can do cocaine and you enjoy it and it doesn't ruin your life, you don't have any negative consequences for yourself, do some for me. 
Yeah. And that's how I really believe. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, do a big one. <laughs> yeah. Like real big. No. <laughs> Dude, that's the truth. Like, yeah. it, like I have caffeine in the morning and gets me going, starts to stimulate my thinking. The drugs, like you said, to to remove some of the potential insecurities. Yeah of future thinking fear to be able to act in that moment and create something. Yes. Yeah. So there I, are some benefits. Yeah. And I think people I don't are to just too to quick to throw it in the negative category. So I'm glad you brought that up, but can you like crack? When was the first, like, what was the like, okay, I'm going to go down this road. Oh, there's not that much thinking about that when you do it. <laughs> You're like, it's just, you didn't do it. But so I got to the point to where, so I was living with a guy who was a crackhead. So he 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 didn't like opiates. And so like we were good in that way. He wasn't gonna steal my shit. <laughs> yeah. And vice versa. But the thing was is fucking that fucking bosom buddies. Yeah, it's like dude, we're just yin and yang, baby. <laughs> fucking chaotic. But we're sitting there and like I would go to sleep on the ground because I could wind down at the middle of the night. I mean, I've had 35 I whatever and fucking been drinking beer all day and I can finally like put it down, you know? And and I would hear him just, I would hear this in this lighter, and I'd be like, and I'm like, he's gonna be out paranoid and shit. I'm not saying this is the most rational reason to join in, but I did. I'm like, give me the motherfucking shit. And like, I wasn't getting any higher. So I was gonna have to be up with someone on crack, and, and I wasn't gonna be getting any higher. And I'm like, just give it to me and join. So I started, like, it was that like stupid. I just wanted to feel more of whatever it was. But that's completely was logical too. Yeah. So I smoked it, and then I'd be like, "Okay, good night." And then I'd like looking at the you know ceiling with my eyes open for like twelve hours. Yeah. How long does it last when you? It all depends on like if it's good or bad or whatever. It's like you know, and good means it's pure or not, and mm -hmm. it, you don't get that that much. But really, crack is like just like um, think of it like as like you take a shot of tequila mm -hmm. and then like four minutes later you're like damn and your face is flush and stuff yeah. but then imagine like five minutes later that being gone so oh. so you but but you have the shitty part you have some of that hangover from the next day that you're not having to pay for yet with drinking yeah so, so does that make sense so so my point is is i you take a shot i feel it uh so boom it hits you four minutes later and then it goes away but you have just some of the shitty feeling of it. So you're not even accumulating anymore. It just goes away. Mm -hmm. Now I need to reset and hit it again. Mm -hmm. Boom. Boom. And um, that's kind of it. It's just, just it doesn't stop. It's insatiable. Mm. And, and it's because it's such a hard-hitting high, but it's not maintained. And, and if you look at, like, acid or opiates or mushrooms, and I'm not, I'm not pitching for any of these relative to cocaine, guys. I'm just saying... Differences. There's sure. a lot. You have a longer li high cycle. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Yes, yeah, that works. But um, yeah. So the thing is, it's like people like crack and cocaine or whatever. Like they're fucking same. Mm -hmm. They're the same. And it's like you know. But my it's funny because I would when I started this, I would pitch investors. I'd be like, I was popping thirty five bike in. I was smoking crack. And I'm asking for like millions. Mm -hmm. And my buddy who's a CFO is like, dude, I think you need to leave the crack part out now. <laughs> and I go, why? He's like, I smoke crack. He's like, ah, no, that's, it's just crack. You know? And I'm like, nah, now I'm going to turn it up. And I was like, nah, I'm going to turn it up. Like, it's not the crack, man. It was a beer. It, it was 
whatever, it doesn't matter. That was just how it manifests itself. But it's not crack. Crack's not worse. It's not better. It's just fucking crack. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but that's been difficult because I can't explain that to most people. They won't, the vast majority won't even be able to go there. Like, yes, but still. And I'm like, stop, dude. Why are you looking? Come back here. They're afraid. They're so afraid. Like, damn it, dude. You know, so and some guy even, okay, anyway. Um, yeah. Someone basically told me they'd never done crack. And they told me about an experience they did when they were in South America where they smoked something. Yep. And, and they were like, man, it hit me. And I was like, that's crack. A Dell executive. And I'm like, exactly. That's what crack is. And they're like, oh, I guess I have smoked crack. I'm like, okay, anyway. Okay, so then everyone's like, you're out. Yeah, so, so we had this unified approach. What I think is interesting about that is that for the first time in my life, whereas that first time we spoke about, you know, um, being in this state of, of you know, I, or this realization that I was going to die, but maybe not in that moment, at least owning it for myself that I was in that risk category now. Like, I'm owning that. Now, in the same, in the same way, you know, you look at, the I, when everyone in my life cut me out like unified and by that I mean they were not willing to do anything if unless I was moving in a positive direction it didn't have to be perfect positive it just had to be positive mm -hmm. there was no more leveraging so for me and and I'm going to speak on behalf of a lot of people out there struggling and they may be pissed I don't give a fuck we are good at finding one person one thing to leverage to get you on my team in any way if I can get you to say, you know what, that wasn't fair, mom or dad did. And then it's like, that's so deep and so old and so long. How could I solve that today? Give me a line of cocaine, please. Mm. There's excuses that are like that, that are real. They're valid, mm -hmm. but they're used disproportionately and incorrectly over time. And, and so what we do is we'll find one person. We're usually like 10. Yeah. But like. We have some <laughs> options. You're like, yes, we're running lean though. But so my, my point is, is. Every one of those had been removed. Every single thing that could leverage had been gone. So ultimately, I was just fucking pissed at myself. Because now I just had to face me. After the first acute period of fuck everybody abandoning me, mm -hmm. and then the realization that starts coming going, no, 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 they're not. No, they're not. They're just protecting themselves now. Oh, shit. And they're doing the most loving thing they know what to do with what they have, the information. I'm like, oh, and I just sat there and the, the visualization I have for myself is looking at a mirror and going, dude, do you want to live or die? And there's nobody else. That you, you can't leverage that. And even, even kind of, I even try to remember it coming into my head. I'm like, no, that's not on it. It's you right now. Do you want to live or die? It's just your fucking choice, man. I was suicidal for nine months. I was hanging out in the cemetery um, off of Mopac. Um, and I hung out there for nine months every day. And I'd pop pills and I'd cry. And people were like, oh my gosh, I, I have, a, I still, have, I don't tell most people this, but I'll just speak to you right now. I have the rope um, still that I had and I tied it and researched. My point of saying though is the only place I found peace, A, was in a cemetery. And number two, it was crying because I did not want to live anymore, but I didn't want to fucking die. And I couldn't figure out how I was going to survive in that state of limbo. I was like, how can you even go on in life? Like I was asking God to like shoot me a text or give me a burning bitch to let me kill myself. Just so I knew that whatever fear led on the other side of life was going to be okay. I just need something, a little bird, butterfly, something, nothing. And then the flip side was, I can't imagine living. I have no creativity. I have nothing. That was all drugs, cupcakes, fantastical shit. It was fun and really cool. 
I was on fucking drugs. I don't know who I am if I, or if I have anything after this. So, so the same way that drugs and these substances can be a creative catalyst and an inhibition, you know, um, decreaser for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. to allow us to, to to explore a little further than we might. Um, it it just it was a. Uh, I don't know. It's weird me thinking through it right now. I have to walk through it and remember the places I were, what I was at in that cemetery. But um, I guess my point of saying that was is that you, you, I didn't know I had anything else. I didn't believe I had anything else. What's so it, it wasn't just stopping something. I I've seen people stop something, but I didn't know that I was going to be able to have a reason or a passion to live. Because nothing really. The idea of just stopping that to be the victory was not it for me. I needed something to go ahead, something yeah. that I didn't want to come par. I wanted to go further. And further to me meant what am I going to wake up excited about? Or what within me that is not has anything to do with drugs is redeemable and can live on and do something good with. And I believed there was nothing. That was it. Every day I was like, I have nothing. And so I would sit there every day crying, popping pills and drinking. And going, I just want to die. And so I never thought I'd be the guy that's saying that I was truly suicidal. Not asking for empathy or sympathy out there when I say this. I was ready to go. And I just sat there on that edge of that cliff that we all jumped off of that was too big. And it took you way longer to jump off of than you did. And I put my foot over that edge. And I kept pulling it back. And I pushed it. And I go, how do people do this? They just do it. And I came to that place where I almost just said, and I'll never forget that because I remember that moment in my mind going, that's how you do it. You just do. You know, one thing that's sideways, if anybody out there is struggling with suicide or if you thought about it and stuff, I want to say one thing. And one of the most practical things I did is I researched the shit out of suicide during this period because what else are you going to do? I was crying. The tears are dried up. I'm sitting here looking at how can you die and you're sure you're going to die? What if people who have tried to kill themselves thought after they didn't? Like, I want to understand. I was trying to get the full gravity of this thing. And every single person who ever jumped off of the Golden Gate Bridge and survived, every single person who ever jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and died, regretted it a second after they jumped off, after they let go. Every single one. They took the amount of time to go to the Golden Gate Bridge and to then go jump off of something. Not take a gun to your house. Or something. I'm, not, I'm not making better or worse. I'm just saying all of them thought it was a bad idea. 100%. With all of the people who took that much to have to get to that place to yeah. go to a bridge and they all thought it was a bad idea one second. This can't make a difference. But how, how do I find something to live for then? How do I even come back at all? It doesn't seem like it's even possible. What does it feel like for you? Because I'm imagining when you're telling the story, you're in, you're, you have yourself back in that cemetery and in that moment, the tears and yeah. the rope. And like, what's that feel like? It's actually inspiring. And here's why it's inspiring. Because now I want to check myself where I am today and look at the limitations I may put on myself mm -hmm. or say, wait, I'm not saying that I've come so far, I've come some great place. Because honestly, I don't think I have. I, my, my expectations for myself are maybe unrealistic. I don't know. And, I, and maybe I'm still identifying what I, in quotes, want. Mm. You know, or what is the destination or the reason for anything. Um, but... I think that, like, can we employ this model to 
to other businesses and other causes? Can we build something that's sustainable that doesn't say, hey, the whole world has to opt into this idea that making money and giving it back can exist? We can just make it happen. You know, how much bigger is out there that I may be trying to be reserved because I'm comfortable within my new newfound sobriety security? I'm saying there's opportunities to go even further now and, and to lean in more. And so when I talk about dying and stuff and going, okay, well, shit, I'm sitting here talking to you in this beautiful place. I have food today, even amidst the COVID. I have two boys, Jude and Otis, that are the best. I mean, my life is really rich no matter what. And I have negative $5,000 net worth, no shit. Mm. And one Tundra truck is an asset. That's mm. it. That's all I have. That's the truth. I mean, aside, monetarily. Um, but I don't get depressed when I think about it as a material. I get inspired because yeah. now I can go, oh, wait a minute. You're giving me the opportunity to look and go, wait, I am here. I do have a business. I do have opportunities. I do have the people. I do have the package. I do have purpose. You have it all. Now, go, 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 go. Remember, we talked about the environment that I grew up in. I wasn't aware of the privileges that I had. How could you be? Honestly, you can't. But now I can be. Now you can be. Because I know be. that I, I, in quotes, didn't yes. squander them per se, because that implies that you had to do something great with them. What I'm saying is you had paint, and you could paint that canvas if you wanted to. And now I have it all sitting there, and I'm like. But it's of, your paint now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and now it's like, okay, now let's fucking paint. You know, now let's turn this shit up. You know, and that's how I've always dreamt and believed. Let's inspire beyond inspiring. Let's go. But it's real, too. Fuck your two by four. It's not a two by four. 50% can work. And actually, it's the reason we're growing, not in spite of it. And like, you still won't buy that when I tell you it. It's so in giving that we receive. That's good for Confucius or whoever said that. Mm. But not me, because that's going to take food out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it may put some in your spirit and your soul, mm. you know. But the optic is, I'm going to make more money than I ever thought I was. Yeah, but that's not the that's not the purpose. No, that's going to be byproduct potentially. I never would have engineered it that way, man. And that's kind of what we were talking about before. It's like shit. I got all my plans, yeah. all my plans that really revolve around me being safe, or at least the perception. Yes. that I will be. I have the same ones that I'm trying to be in the right relationship with. I said, there's a, they, they are useful when they are in the right place. <laughs> now, a couple of things you said that I want to bring to light and almost challenge you on. No, I do want to challenge yeah, you. Yeah, no, it. I want it. I like it. You said, I'm not sure where the destination is. Let's go. Yeah. But you also talked about how inspired you are when you think back about that time, which I, I love that you said that because to me, that's what it is. It's inspiring. It's like you were in a place as low as you probably could ever have gone. Yeah. And I look back on my life in, in areas when I'm like, wow, did I need a hug? You needed that certainly and then some, right? Yep. My point to all of this is to say, Feel into today in that the destination and all that stuff is great. The let's go, the energy, but there's an element there that's, I feel I, I, you have so they're much richness right now. They're contradictory in, in some of So do as I, <laughs> that'd be so great. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, you know, 
when I told you earlier, I'm so fucked up still. That's kind of what I was. There's the ideals and there's truths that I've seen, but I'm still susceptible to all the same shit that keeps me from leaning in and going to the places God. Which is in the next question. What are you trying to unlearn right now? What is it? What is holding you back from feeling that aliveness every waking moment? Engaging with the largest uh, thoughts, principles, uh, conditioning that I've been taught in my life to understand whether or not I believe them or not for myself. So let me give you an example. I hope my dad's not listening. I love you. Um, but I was, I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home. And um, I am not, to, to me, I had to come to a place to where it's like, you know, I, I basically I'm in this state now where I'm going back. I'm not unlearning God or this idea of I'm, I'm unlearning God. I don't know. Fucking go for I'm it. I'm trying to figure out how I say it. Like, Let's fumble dude, around just, with it a little I, bit. I want to tell you I believe in something because I believe in it. I, 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 that's why. Like, I don't remember learning the English language. I don't remember riding a bike, learning how to ride the bike. Now I, I can do it today. But I don't remember choosing to opt in to learn English. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, but I like English. Okay? Those are different. It doesn't mean I don't like English. Okay? I was taught a language. I was taught a way of living. I was taught this idea of destinations and eternal. And, 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 I, and historically, even challenging those was a sin internally. And so it was like, oh, God, I can't even run due diligence on this idea that's meant to have fed me from the teat to the six feet under. So I'm kind of in a weird spot here, you know. That thing that I told you, it spoke to the reason that I even had to tell you that I had to text. I wanted to text a butterfly or something from God. Yeah. That implies that I think there's a God. Mm-hmm. Well, it also implies that I have a fear about where I might have gone or not. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, is, I don't, I want to unlearn whatever foundational thinking behind is underneath a lot of the stuff that restricts me in a way that is not productive for others or, or my family or my kids. And it doesn't mean the destination of belief can't be the same as what my parents tried to teach me. Mm-hmm. It means that I want to start from the beginning. And I want to read and say, Bible. Oh, it's called Bible? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and there's eternity. What, how can you be predestined and still make your own decisions? Mm. Like, how's that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the bot. No, 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 no. I need to go a little bit deeper with you, Dad, because I need, I, I, that's something that's really throwing me off a little you know my, my point is that 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 for me is one of the greatest things it's not unlearning jesus the bible or god it's not even about reading it's it's re it's auditing it's yeah. reassessing the foundational things that i assumed or was conditioned or i've been running with for the longest time considering them to be absolute mm-hmm. without second guessing without second guessing without doing my own diligence to say that it's true diligence for me. Do you have the patience to look at those things one <laughs> time, one thing at a time? Why would you fucking ask a question like that? What are you implying? No. Um, because I, 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 I understand no, the, the impatience no, of no, it. No, I don't think I do. Because I think I, I also think there's patience and there's discipline too. You no, know, a minute ago you said, someone said, hey, are you on drugs, Wes? Are you on drugs? I'm like, what the fuck? Are you? That's my first, and I'm like, hold on. 
it's different. What, first of all, why shouldn't that person be able to ask that? Mm-hmm. If they've invested millions of dollars into you. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, why, why was I even offended by that in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you trying to shame me? Or that? Anyway, I guess... Uh, Wait, are they trying to shame you or are they actually asking you a question because they're concerned about their investment, right? Potential Bingo. investment. Bingo. My question... Yeah, sorry. The reason I, <laughs> no, but the reason I'm asking, it's not necessarily for the answer, but for you to just sit with that like okay so I if i'm like not that question right because you're <laughs> because like a lot of men we're impatient yeah but the impatience for me starts to run into unconscious behavior which i've been doing for a long time and so when i actually sit in the patience and understand that if i can just unlearn one thing at a time that's way better than not unlearning any of it that's it's, true because yeah. We want to unlearn it all. That's our. That's what we've done our whole lives. Like, what's the problem? Okay, I can go do it. I, here's it's the not problem. one of those things we have to sit in the inquiry of it, and we have to be curious. Unlearning it, though, implies that you think there was something wrong with learning it, though, You're right? investigating. You're curious. So that's what I was you're, saying. That's you're what questioning it. Audit. It's an audit. It's yeah. a diligence. It's something so I can, with greater resolve, tell you in your face that I believe that because I've done my own research, my own A to Z diligence. Back to direct experience, because so many of the things that we need to question, we need to unlearn. Two by four. There are things that we didn't have direct experience. We took mom and dad's opinion, the church's opinion, the the school's opinion, our friend's opinion. We didn't have our own experience. And so that's what I would say is let's. Yeah, exactly why you've. You're sharing what you're sharing today. The the wisdom you're sharing isn't something you learn from mom and dad or the church. It's from what you lived. And so question those things that we were told. And a lot of it, we're just not even sure we were told. Where the fuck did this belief come from? That's that's what I'm saying. Where did it come from? And it's and, like and how much of my life has been tied to that in some oh, and, and that's what makes me scared no because that should make you I, excited I, I, I understand that but if i found if i find out that it's because here here's the thing if i find out it's because these three guys almost kicked my ass in the cafeteria in fifth grade mm-hmm. and that was my trauma relative to what i consider to be trauma what you know where people are molested or beaten and, and i know i know but i'm saying like Fuck. Why are you putting a judgment on it? Trauma is fucking trauma. I know it is. My point is, is that <laughs> I, I felt that like, that's just being a pussy. Yeah. That's pussy trauma. And that's, that's unconscious that's, male right there. That's and, it. And I know it is. And I didn't want to say it because I know no, that's even wrong saying it's it. It's not. It's what you feel though. I know, but it's So like, let's get so, to that. So, then, so basically, I, basically, when I look back at a lot of my life and my insecurities, it was, I was a pussy. Yes. That was it. Me too. I, I wasn't ready. I, I couldn't, pl- I was, I was a late bloomer on, on a football team or whatever it is. And for some reason, the social culture of wherever I was, I, I put value into that and I couldn't hit somebody or didn't want to get hit. And so I was like, fuck that. And then I'm like, cause I thought at times like maybe that just set me off course to be on a different path. Cause I didn't do the things that most dudes did. And, and I didn't go smoke cigarettes in the woods with the guys. I would. I wanted some of their secondhand smoke or whatever, but I didn't want to commit to that group. Because then I was fearful I could never get into the football group. But I couldn't do the football group because I didn't have muscles. I didn't go through puberty. So now I'm in the middle saying, can I get a drag of that and maybe see some of your game? And I was always in this place of just being by myself. 
isolating to feel secure because I wasn't goth enough and then my parents didn't let me listen to Pantera. But over here again, you know, you know what I mean. And so, I know exactly what so you yeah, mean. if I had to distill it down, you made me get real, like, just being a pussy. Okay, it's, but not in the sense of like you're a bit like an actual pussy. Like that guy in, in, in the litmus test of all men is a pussy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is incorrect thinking. And but it is. We talked about. We were talking about this the whole podcast. Talked about before. It's conditioning. That's yeah. what we're told across all mediums whether it's in the home unfortunately like i grew up in a home where like you would be fucking tough and i wasn't that tough at times but i could fake it yeah and i you know finally started to undo that stuff because i could see like oh my me being tough i was just a scared little boy i was just i was putting up the front never let him see you sweat why not because you're a pussy if you let him see you sweat and then if you're a pussy then you don't what? I don't know. <laughs> and then it's all those fears and you go down that road. So here's something really weird about it. Those guys that almost kicked my ass, because this is real and this is all clearly real trauma. It was real. And that that it's helping me get some clarity on that. It, I just didn't want to be a pussy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that word. I didn't want that name. I didn't want that thinking. I didn't, I just didn't want to be a pussy. And and maybe because I was in the sense of what they're I don't know. I don't want to keep saying the word pussy either though. Um, Say it. Because um, <laughs> it resonates with a lot of people. No, no, they I, get I, it. I, I know They know exactly does. what you're talking about. So let me tell you something that's really crazy about that, though. So a couple of those guys have reached out to me 30 years later, 35 years later, uh, blown away and honoring what I'm doing as being bold as fuck. And I'm like, oh, what the? So that happened a couple of years ago. I launched this. But dude, I was holding on to that experience with those people and what they thought and what they may think 25 years later to overcome addiction and start a company that gave back and thinking that they're probably going to think that's a pussy. Somebody who's just like, couldn't even handle his booze. Couldn't, he wasn't, man. And it came full circle. And I was like, oh, shit. I was by myself and I got this message on Facebook where I was like, oh my God, this was the guy who kicked everyone's ass. And is all of the trauma or anything that might have tied to this, oh shit, and he thinks that I'm bold. And it was just like this immediate like stripping of, holy shit, I've been rolling with that for 25 or 30 years. And so my point is, mm. it's empowering. But it's also something of like, fuck, if I would have known somehow, was it, and not to blame my dad or anybody, I don't know why I even felt that way in that experience, but it was like, that's what can set our lives off in a different place. So a guy called me, and it's not because I'm so great, two weeks ago, and then and I, I think you'll find this interesting. Two weeks ago, he called me, and uh, he was sitting on the side of a building in North Austin, like a, a building, and he was plugged in because he has a cell phone, and that's it. He had gotten out of psych ward, and he had arm, uh, marks all down both of his arms. He tried to kill himself. And, uh, and it was like one of the big days of COVID being locked down. I'm at home, and it's 10 o'clock or something. My wife's like, what? I go, I've got to go. The text says, please help me. And I'm like, I have to go. I've got to go. And she's like, what? And I go, I've got to go. So I, I checked off my mind. He's like, I can get him in the back of the truck so we have social distancing. And so I felt good about it. I'm not disclosing that. Okay. I went and picked him up. Here's where it goes. So 
Um, and, and you'll see where I'm going to bring it back really quick to being a pussy. So I went, picked him up. Say, hey, we're going to do this one motherfucking sex He'd been up for three days. He was paranoid. He's like, people are following me when I get in my car. We're going to go in some circles. I'm going to show you what people aren't talking about. And it doesn't matter, but I'm going to show you. So we did it, and I was like, has anyone been following us? He's like, no. Fast forward, we kept doing one step at a time. That day that he called me. So today, two weeks later, he has a job. He's in sober living. He's on meds that he got for $15 to get back on. And, and he texts me, and he goes, oh, God. Could you not come to that day? It didn't take that much time out of my life. But it was a movement. It was an action. It was a go. Let's go. Something called and went. His life may be the same, may never be the same. I don't know. But that one experience for him, of me, him saying, please help, having the balls to reach out, for me to go, and that will change the trajectory of his life maybe. And it's in a moment. A moment. And you were fucking patient. And it, it's one just, step at a time. That's not common. Yeah. That's not the get up and go. The let's go is I'm going to help. Well, the let's go, yeah. Guy who reached out, the bully, hurt okay, but- people, hurt people. And it's, it's as simple as that. He was doing it to you because he was fucking hurting. He wasn't choosing it because he just got off on it. There was fucking pain there. Well, I did call his girlfriend. That's the truth. Okay, well, but, but, no, no, but hey, no, I just got to keep it factually, <laughs> you know. But uh, no, but the truth was is is what you're. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it. Um, and at the end of the day, man, it's it, it's it's these these ideas that that we. You know what's fucked you up? You can't about- even damn the experience that trauma because look where you are today. I know, but here's the thing: it's it's that. You can say that because of where I am today. Sure. And so the question I would have for people is like, can I come to that own realization in myself without anyone ever validating anything that's been done in another space? Can you find your own healing and identify that? And have you done that to where it didn't, it was never externally validated. It was one that you would never even have to tell anyone the rest of your life because you were able to identify and go, that's real. And, and I, I, I suspect I'm behind in terms of emotional maturity and things like that. And people are like, yeah, asshole, that's called like looking into yourself. I'm like, oh, that's what no, that is? No, I think it's rare. Like, it's like, scary. I mean, it's scary. That's the reason why people don't want to answer questions. And that's why when, when he reached out and you had this awareness, like, holy shit, I've been carrying this from a fucking 17-year-old, however old you were, mindset. Yep. Oh, my gosh. We get stuck in those things. But the idea is healed trauma is medicine. So now that I can do what I do so easily, exactly. and people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, it's just part of my experience, and I love it. So yes. it's like, and I go, you can drop me off anywhere, and it's not because I'm like some prophet and just came out of the womb, like so open to every walk of socioeconomic. You can go put me under the bridge for the rest of the day. With, with some clean energy and a stack of cards. And I will chalk it up with these guys as though we are exactly the same and I won't feel any different internally. Yeah. I'm saying in terms of, it's just, it's given me an ability and the experience and the opportunity to connect with every walk of life. And it's given me an opportunity now where I can go straight now to say, the guy that I was living in in that warehouse, yeah. he was not born in privilege. He served our country. He was in 10 uh, foster homes before... 
H5, blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting access to this in a really intimate way. And then I have this other guy over here who's worth half a billion dollars. And now is questioning his life because of COVID, not security. These experiences from these drastically opposite ends give me insights into things that are common in humans, which is that we're all feeling it. So I'm not that afraid anymore to mm -hmm. say things to people because I feel like they're more universal. That's why I'm like, we're not. So I, that guy, he's like, dude, your life, I'm so envious of your life. He texted me out yesterday and I go, why? He's like, we're the same, bro. You and I have oxygen. Yeah. You have food. I have a place. My steak might be a nicer tonight. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And I go, so what do you, I go, we're right here. I might die today, dude. And then you're ahead, man. Or not. Maybe that's yeah. a better. better and I, well, and I, you know, a thing I love for anybody out there who's considering getting sober or just getting sober right now, let me tell you this. And this is the addict in me coming out. Like there's never a better time to get sober because everyone else is miserable and misery loves comfort. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I'm like serious. I'm like, if you were ever judging yourself, well, like, no, I didn't go for 20 years and get my, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a CPA. Well, guess what? They're not either anymore. So you're there, man. It's now, baby. It's now. Yes. And I think there's something sick about me that like, gets excited about that. I'm like, yeah, I, everybody who thinks they're behind, you're not. It's level set. Let's all go. And we're going to have a new compass, hopefully, that's refined in terms of what the fuck we Air about yeah. what we say we do and i don't think it could have been done any other way to be honest with you i think it had to take a global reset like this i really do it's i been, hate it it's it's been quite an opportunity um or it can be an opportunity yes um and i i, I personally just oscillated back and forth and it's it's honestly just depending on my frame of mind on how i'm looking <laughs> at things and all right so let's talk a little bit about clean cause you started out bottled water yeah. and so we'll get into why why you started out there. Now yep. you've you've gone all the way to now you're yerba mate. Now you, did I see that you're doing protein bars and you're working on I sparkling don't know. water? Should I do them? I mean, why not? Well, I I don't know immutable laws of marketing, and then that and now you're getting too too much skew rationalization and, and diluting your focus. So you won't get the greatest ROI. Where I claim the complete opposite. Ah. Uh, uh, anyway, sorry I went off on that. It's just obviously I have some. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to crack open, what do I got here, raspberry, yerba mate? Yeah, so just, just to back up a minute, when I got sober, I, I got into a 12-step program, and I was speaking to the idea of like, you know, in that cemetery of going, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to get sober, and then I have nothing. I don't, I don't have anything anymore. Is there anything creative that I aspire to be like some genius creative and expressive and stuff? Is that can that exist without substances? So got into the re recovery sitting there and it was probably 60, 90 days before I had any spark at all in, inside going because I hadn't you know, been without drugs for an extended period of time for a long time. Mm. And all of a sudden something just popped inside. And I was like, what? It, that was the beginning of clean cause. So I was sitting there and said, I want to launch this, this product. Uh, I started with uh, a cause. And I'm like, I want to do something that's going to give back to the thing that I've been you know, affected by mostly and that I know right now because I want to somehow engineer a more explicit uh, North Star for myself. Mm. And I go, so I'm going to build it into this deal. And then number two was, hey, this, this needs to be regenerative, sustainable. We need to do something that can continue to live on and stuff. So I was like, that sustainability led to the 50% because I didn't want 1%. I didn't want 5%. I wanted 50%. I want something bold that just, that didn't seem or feel optical um, that felt, equal parts ah. and so so it's like no 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 no, 
this needs, but it needed to be sustainable and investable. That's why it's not a nonprofit. Um, the, pro- the problem with nonprofits are they don't make profits. Mm. They're not sustainable. And just for people, uh, if you don't understand what optical means, it means it just looks really good. Like we're giving money away, but we're really not giving away an appreciable or, or, amount. Or it was a PS, right? It was mm. an afterthought for just social and political capital. Um, and, and also, when I say anything about nonprofits, there's zero uh, disparagement meant. It just, um, I, I, I want to be able to create the funding for folks that run nonprofits. Um, so that eventually, I'm saying, so that their hearts, they can just tap into what they were called to do and what they, the reason they got into it versus having to fundraise. Anyway, I digress. The model itself, wanting to be, you know, so you first start with your DNA being the cause. The second was the give back. And the third was the name and the product. So I kind of went backwards, or maybe not backwards, but that's how it started. So then I was like, okay, water. I can get water. Within like 30 days, 60 days of that day of coming up with, oh, which I think this is interesting. I got to tell you this. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to start this brand. I'm going to try to help people in recovery. And I go, I'm going to get half of that. No understanding of the implications from an investment standpoint, financials <laughs> or anything, because I've never had a pro forma or done a business plan in my life. It sounds great. Let's go. Fuck yeah. And then, so I call my sister up and I leave it and I go, Meredith, I have an idea. And she goes, what the hell's wrong with you? No, I haven't heard you like this in years. And I go, no, 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 just listen, listen. So I knew it was real. It was going. And I go, I'm going to start this brand. I'm going to get back 50% of the profits to help people in recovery. And it's called Sober. And she goes, wow. And she goes, I, Wes, I love the idea. I love to give back. And she goes, uh, sober. I don't know about that one. Cause I, I don't want to go into a gym <laughs> holding a bottle and people being like, wow, that girl's alcoholic. <laughs> She's really out there. And so I was like, Ooh, okay. And she goes, how about clean? And I go, Oh my gosh. And it's like one of those commercials that you see someone brushing their teeth and all of a sudden it goes, ding. I was like, I love you. Bye. I drove home to get my computer. I'm like, I'm going home and I'm driving and I'm sitting here and going, Dude, clean, dude. That's it, man. I got to go start searching trademark, trademarks and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I go, clean, but we have a cause. Clean, clean, ca- ca- clean cause. Clean cause. Yeah. And then so I get home. I'm like, clean, clean cause. That's it, dude. And I get down. I open up my computer. I made a logo um, with, uh, with uh, Avenir font. It's clean, baby. Yes. It's clean. Um, and so I made the, I made the logo copy and pasted it on some shitty photo on the deal and sent it to my graphic designer that I had known in the past. And I said, I need you to make me a logo today. And he goes, I think you already did. And it's the logo we have today without uh, the corners were rounded Yeah, yeah. Uh, on it. He just made the corners rounded. That's it. But that's how it happened. Damn. And so, and then uh, within like a month of that day, I had 40 cases of water in my garage at my house and was delivering out of that one asset I have that, truck out there and we just started going selling water for more expensive than the competitors and being someone newly in recovery claiming to give 50 percent of the profits away i mean the whole thing was just fucking a mess to start with yeah not a great product to launch more expensive the foundation of it was fucking whacked out what are you talking about where's it going i'm like trust me pinky swear let's roll we're gonna do this and so um that's how it started and your logo, by the way, is dope. And I remember getting those bo- those early bottles, man. It was just, it, it, it was clean. That's what I loved about that's it. That's what people say. And, but see, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't really engineered. It was just just this, this uh, momentum that I gained with clarity of each step before it. 
I'm going, no, this is so it. I'm not stopping. I'm not going to keep thinking about if I need to do something in recovery. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I already know it is. That's it. Because I'm feeling it. I'm passionate about it. I want to. And then I was like, next, sustainability. Boom, 50%. Who gives a fuck? I knew it was big enough. I didn't need to understand it in the moment. Mm -hmm. What I bought into the idea is that I could could get folks to buy if they if they saw the impact if something was real the idea of in giving that you'll receive is real but we've never believed in the impact otherwise we'd be dumping our money into all of our nonprofits that's a different that's a different conversation um and, and way too loaded of a comment i just made but then third um dude i wasn't brilliant i just kept swinging mm-hmm. i kept taking swings that's what people will tell me all the time dude what a great idea and it's like I got a lot of pitches, man. Keep swinging. Well, and it sounds like, again, you just kept, what feels right, that. Okay, I'm going to do more of that. This feels right. This feels right. This doesn't, I'm not going to do that. No, keep going. And you just kept trust, you trusted your gut. She told me sober, alcoholic, boom. No, I already knew right away. She goes, clean, clean. I was like, clean. And then the cost, the tie to it with the name. And then low, and I was like, this is it. And so we got it. Um, I posted, and I I don't know if I saw out there or anything, that one day I posted where it was like, all right, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Nice. First of all, I was like, Facebook, I didn't know what Facebook, I knew what it was, but I'd mm-hmm. never been on it. Mm. I didn't know what a hashtag was six years ago. Sure. I didn't know any of that. So people that still give me shit today for being a Facebook junkie, mm. I want to check yours six years in. Because now <laughs> your ass has been in 20 years. Yeah. I am an egomaniac with low self-esteem. I get it. <laughs> but it's not as far off as you were too, asshole. Anyway, <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm still sick with social media. but. Um, the point was that day I knew it was a platform that could reach the masses and not dumbass completely. And I just wrote out there. I'm like, my whole life's been fucking bullshit. This is what I've been doing. This is where I've been. This is what I did in this cupcake. Uh, this is uh, the drugs. I was taking 30 Vicodin, sleeping on this floor. I, I, I walked away from my wife, and just left her hanging. Like, I just threw it all out there, everything. And I just kind of like, it's one of those commercials where you kind of like sit there for a minute. And, and it all of a sudden it goes, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting hit with messages and texts from people I hadn't talked to in 10 years. And they're like, I'm in recovery. I'm struggling. I'm, bl-. and it just kept going. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, that, that was it. I just needed to. And then I had proof that I never, it was the day that I saw those people walking out of Magnolias with the look on their face as they were holding that cupcake that was theirs, that had some joy that you couldn't explain, that that's the only thing I needed to really see, to know. And when I had that happen this day, it affirmed everything that was internalized because people were affirming it as being real, but we just, and they, it was giving them a license to now talk about it because what they're, they're, they were about to give me a light version relative to the hard liquor I just gave them. And they felt comfortable to do that. And so I go, oh, shit. Now we've opened up the opportunity for other people to be safe enough. As long as you just try to put yourself a little lower. Not in every circumstance. I'm just saying there's some architecture in there to help free other people. You need to go there. Yes. Go there. Yes. And how good does that feel? Oh, it was great. How long were you carrying that for besides your entire life? Yeah, I didn't know. But I didn't. But see, I didn't. Know or no. believe the freedom was on the other side in terms of the fear of what other people would think, which is what has operated our whole life of me being a pussy yeah. and all of that. So that day, a pussy would have never made that post. The post, a pussy wouldn't have gone all in. And how good and, did that and, feel? And, and look what you've done. Fuck. Well, I mean, I see that's the hard thing is I don't really know what I've done. 
I don't see it that Just way. Just look at the people that have reached out from that simple post. Yeah. Okay? I, I, yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it's the importance of being honest and authentic and showing up that way. And you said this before in another podcast I listened to. There's like the more you disclose, the more vulnerability you show, the more freedoms on the other side. The more people will relate to you. That's the thing. It's not even. And they'll relate to themselves. They'll be okay with themselves. And that's the only way they can heal. And that's why I tell people they're not that different. No. And so they see me with crap and they're, you know, at home reading the novel. We're not that different. We're not. That's what's weird. And and, And so I've never been able to really trace that back yet all the way. Because people are like, what are you talking about? Clearly, we're completely different. I haven't been to six rehabs in a psych ward. I'm like, no, I know. But it was the trauma that I had. I was a pussy. You were raped. He was this. You were that. I, They're the same. It's just a different flavor. Yeah. And I was like, son of a bitch. You know, I I was in the same place with that another homeless guy coming from the hills of Westlake and, and, and money and opportunity. We're in the same place, talking about the same things. It's the human condition, man. I think you've said it perfectly. We we all have our kind of cross to bear with that thing. And whatever the trauma is, if if it's not uh, handled properly, if it's not healed, no matter what, how you can put it on a scale if you want, but trauma is trauma. And it fucks people up, no matter if it's something that seems small and insignificant, you carry that shit. Massively, and honestly, like, I think I've had fear about diving into trauma. To be yeah, with you, I, like I'm saying, just even the concept, it feels a little too, too close. Even with the guy who wants to tell you I smoke crack and all that, that's the thing I also tell people. They're like, you're so unselfish. I'm like, not really. I'm pretty fucking selfish. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to give money away. It doesn't require me to sacrifice much inside, mm. and to sacrifice, you know, to even lean in more. After I've disclosed something, it's not difficult to disclose that anymore. Mm-hmm. I, now I've accepted that I have the ability to disclose something in faith. And, and, and now I, I almost be, think I have an obligation to go further because now I have that responsibility. I'm saying just for myself. Absolutely. Because in addiction, something I tell people is they go, you know, the first step, they're like, man, I can't keep doing this. You know, it's just, it's not right. It's not loving. It's all this. They have these moments of awareness to where they're able to really articulate and convey to their loved ones that they, they're not good with where they're going. But then they ride that awareness for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because people say, no, dude, take it easy. At least you're aware. And you're like, I'm going to stay aware for 20 fucking years. Yes. You know, it's like. What you just said in terms of that trauma, I, I, I heard something, and you would probably know, I don't, but it was difficult for me to hear because it was profound if it's true, which was because I thought the trauma had to be being raped or beaten or something, not almost getting your ass kicked by three of the big guys in in middle school, which, by the way, how much harm can you even do to somebody in middle when school? When you're 14 years old, you, you think feel like it, you can die. You think it's Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe a black eye. It's all relative. But it's it's all relative. It is. But um, you're so disempowered. A, a quote I read, or someone told me this. I think that was um, trauma is not about the severity or the length of the trauma. It's about how alone the person felt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? You're saying a POW in Vietnam for three years 
being beaten and their language changing to one because this what they're exposed to is the same as this if they both felt exactly the same. And, and look, I don't know that that is equal. No. But I get the idea. I get the heart of it. And I was like, oh, my God, it is. It's don't diminish your trauma because you think it was lesser than someone else's and doesn't deserve healing or inquiry because you were blessed to be in a position somewhere else or because it's not as bad as someone else's you know, so they should be in a way. It's just yours. So we just deal with it. And damn, dude, like, honestly, like, for me, Mr. You know, turnaround story, like, this new trauma thing for me, has been it's new. Yeah. It's new, like, new, fresh. Be patient with it. For a new place for me to go deeper now and go, I'm not as vulnerable as I thought I was because I wasn't willing to go into the next level stuff after I got a big push of relief. But be be kind to yourself, man. Like you're 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 in it. Yeah. So don't have expectations. Like back to your point on whether it's you're talking to your buddy who's in addiction and you have these unreal expectations. Have give yourself the same, you know, uh, level of, you know, the the lack of expectation. Why do we give ourselves so much expectation? We demand so much of ourselves. Why not? Have that acceptance, like I'm still work. I'm I'm working on this, but but I and guess, I don't have any context. But for my it. question is: is when you say I'm working on this, are you really working on it, or is it us saying I'm working on it to give me relief from that pressure of 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 the, the lack of willingness? So what I'm saying is, is what I was trying to beat around the bush was on the idea of like me giving, giving of myself to like my wife is not a flower. It's putting my phone up mm-hmm. and turning it off. It's uh, giving for me is true sacrifice, something that costs me and costs me in my time to either think about what I want to or something. And I don't know if that's fundamentally right or wrong or if that's too transactional, but I think historically that's what it's been. It's like, like the idea of service work is not service work unless there's sacrifice. Because, you know, my 50% give back in recovery is part of my life. But is it my recovery? It's part of it, potentially. But does it, I could ride this 50% and the founder of Clean the rest of my life with the story as is and stop growing myself. Mm-hmm. And no one ever know that really I haven't really dove into And no one trauma. gives a fuck but you. You're, you're right. And they don't That's give a fuck. That's what we have to remember. <laughs> they don't give a fuck in both ways. They don't. They don't give a fuck if you win it or lose it. I don't know. It's, it's different for each of us. Yeah. And so we could be working on it. We could be just giving ourselves time to say that we're working on it, but we're not really because we just not. We'll work on it when we're prepared to, and be okay. When are being we prepared to? So I want to ask you this question because I just yeah. think it's fascinating. When have the greatest sustained changes in your life happened? Was there an event? Was there something? If you try to think, like, what are the change? Did you did you ever weigh five hundred pounds and then become fit like you are? And if you did, what was it? Did you ever, do you see what I'm saying? Were they events or accumulations of small? It's all of it. And I'll tell you why. Because just like you can't look back on your life and say, fuck, not that you don't, you, you own all of it. Right. All, all of that, the hard shit, the stuff where you put people, you know, that you loved and put them in a tough spot. Yeah. That got you to where you are today. You understand what that feels like. So 
there were like when I got in really good shape, I was not okay with me. I was escaping whatever was here and I was building muscle to hide in some ways. I was escaping into training a couple hours a day for what? I, I was not connecting with my wife, my kids. Oh, you were already married? Oh, yeah. Then you definitely don't need to work out. No, I'm kidding. No, no, and no mine was like, I need to get my triceps because I still need to attract the opposite sex. Well, and then it, then, then it be, you know, then I would happen to be in Las Vegas in 2017 during the shooting. Mm-hmm. So I was at the concert and, you know, that was a moment that changed wow. everything for me. And so while it's not a good um, time in our nation's history, sure. it woke me up in a lot of ways. So what were you doing before that happened? It was fairly This is your podcast. I'm sorry. No, I'm absolutely. Like, what were you doing before when that happened? What has changed since that event that you think has been sustained that you didn't have largely before? I became really curious about why I'm here. Okay. And so yeah. within that has been this unlearning. It's been questioning everything. Yep. And it hasn't all been pretty. I've had even, you know, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years yesterday. And it's been hard at times. Like we, really we got hard. nine or seven yeah. days ago. And there we go. yeah, the same thing. I'm like, how do we make it? But it, but it, but it, it kind of ebbs and flows, and <laughs> yeah. it, and it, and it becomes this. It's, it's never all good. It's never all bad. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is there's, there's it's not binary anymore. And mm-hmm. I think I live my whole life in this binary: you're either successful or you're not. You're winning or you're not. It's black or it's white. Yeah. And now I'm just curious. I'm try. I'm try. I try to stay in a state of curiosity. It's almost more fluid, right? Well, you don't have to be right anymore. You don't have to defend shit. You just be curious. Why did we want to be right in the fucking first place? That's what's so weird. There's just, that I sense mean, of control. Like I'm right. Why? And- why do we need control? Does it all come back to fear? Yes. I mean, it, it must all come back to fear. It does. It really has to. I can't think of a better alternative. And that's you- the old programming, man. That's the stuff that we're trying to question and be okay you know, even if we had an experience with something 10 years ago that it formed an opinion, yeah. my experience with it today could be completely different. Take alcohol. There, 10 years ago, I was stone cold sober. I wouldn't touch it, whatever. Today, I haven't been buzzed off alcohol in two years, but I'll have a half a glass of wine. I'll have a beer. I'm okay with that now because I'm not identifying as a drinker or a non-drinker. Right. It's just a I'm either having a beer or I'm <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, no, no, it's not it's not a focal that was, point. That it's was me. A, Fuck, yeah. it was either all in or all out. You're either a drinker or you're not. And when your whole world is colored that way like mine was, it's super hard to be connected with anything, let alone yourself. And if you can't connect to who you are, and you're escaping at all costs like I was, it doesn't matter how quote-unquote successful you've been right. in work. And I was retired at 41. And you know I had this amazing family and all the things I could ever want, except I had no fulfillment in my life because I was scared. It's weird that the, the, the ironic blessing 
of someone like yourself having success as early as you did is that now you know that that doesn't scratch the itch that the rest will keep chasing for potentially and never realize. It's not a competition, but my point is is that I know people that were exactly the same as me that got really, really rich or very successful mm -hmm. and then realized, oh shit, this wasn't it. Now I've checked this box mm -hmm. and that's not, I don't have that security I thought I wanted. I was going to have. And I think the flip side is that a lot of us who don't have that will sometimes still put that into the formula thinking, if I can just get that financial gain security because, oh, it's easy for them to say because they're there. But like, no, 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 no. It is all relative because I'm not living in a warehouse today. I'm living in a house. I have already, in quotes, made. I'm like, it, you, you're blessed to have realized that it's not what you, it, it, it doesn't give you. Exactly. I totally agree. I don't know how to and articulate I, No, it, you're but. saying it perfectly. And, and, and I have gratitude for, for that, like for the fact that I've had the ability to go deep into this inquiry because I haven't been working, you know, 50 hour weeks and I can really spend time in this. And so I'm grateful for all the opportunities that the financial success has allowed me. And to your point, man, don't take my word for it. Like, go try, do it. Make your money. Like I, I made mine, and I'm. I'm but I might not for it. ever. And, and then, I'm not and saying then, you. I'm no, saying no, the no, people I know, listening. I know I'm kidding, but I'm saying. But we might not ever. That's the right. point. The point is, is there is no fucking real emotional internal security with the accomplishment of that. No, there's not, and that's what we're trying to say. It's yeah. like keep going. It's still good. Money takes the sting out of life, and my model's fifty percent profits, not a hundred percent, because I want a house in the mountains. Yes, but I don't want. It, I don't need it to be a castle, because so it's a castle. I want it because I want to be able to be there to play with my kids and to look at the sky and to be able to try to separate environmentally. That's it, and yeah. it's not ninety nine degrees. Yes, but I don't put this insane amount of. Uh, it's not a trophy for me. Like I think it might have been in the past, and the idea that I need to accumulate these trophies where I have. Seven digits and this. I have three gifts homes and this and this and we're good. My ass is going to be taken out by something, you know, potentially the COVID or when I go out in the road. I'm like, what matters, you know? Yeah. What, what freaking matters? And then how many of us have had the blessing to go through enough trials or trauma and come out on the other side to be able to either recognize the value in those traumas and the, the kind of the rebirth or the revelations that can be gained, then, then uh, encourage others to find theirs and then also use that continually through the rest of our life to continue to add to that enlightenment for lack of a better word mm. or whatever you would call it. Yeah, I think it's a perfect word. And I, I think our stories aren't different in the sense that what I've tried to do in the podcast is, um, and on social media, but to share the real me Versus the avatar that people kind of assumed who I was because I retired at 41 and had the things. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I'm grateful for that stuff. But, you know, my wife and I had another marriage ceremony in October of 2018. Don't need to get into all the details of it, but it was an amazing ceremony. And when, when we did it, we both kind of posted on social media, like, look, we were in a really bad place for a while and it was letting, you know, 
releasing one another of the roles that we felt like we had to play from a long time ago. And it was really hindering our personal development or development as a, you know, in a relationship. The, my point of bringing this up is so many people reached out to both of us. Like, thank you for saying this because I'm struggling. And, you know, this gives us, you know, we know, now we know the, there's another option besides like this is just not working out because we didn't feel like we were working out. And we didn't want to give God, that is like, someone else the best version of ourselves. We wanted to try to make it work because there was a reason we were together. Doesn't mean we have to stay together for the rest of our, our lives. No, but, no. And there's nothing negative about even saying that. Right. It's like they're like, oh, well, now you're not in it forever. What about the vows? You know, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, hold on. Right. <laughs> Dude, all I can say is that I can relate more than uh, what, what just happened in my mind. Uh, would happen out loud if you hadn't just told me that all the other people had reached out to you. My point is, is that like you get to see how similar we really all are when you become vulnerable and you let others know it. Then you, that's where the interconnectivity comes in, in kind of that vulnerability and the common life experience that like, dude, nobody's marriage is, is great today. I, when I say nobody, let me, let me say everyone I've talked to about marriage the vast majority has been like, I'll tell them about my situations and being like, and I'm like, dude, is like maybe we just weren't meant to be. Like we just, I, and they're like, dude, that's what I feel too, and I felt that before too, and we felt that, and that to me speaks to this that you you said something that was really interesting. First of all, you said not black and white. You're talking about this experience and kind of more fluid, and then you said um, the idea of um, giving your best version to someone else. Mm. And I'm like, how have I given my best version to my wife? And if I have to be completely honest, no. Yeah, and I hadn't either. And, no, I, and I still have, no, I'm saying I have not. Well, my ebbs and flows. Right now, I, I, you happen to hit me at a good point. I'm giving her a really, really fucking tip top version. Oh, well, when I saw y'all interacting earlier, I was like, damn, my relationship sucks. Well, three weeks ago, <laughs> it would have, you would have looked like, like you would have been flip flop. I'm like, you asked for batteries that like that? Oh, shit. I am like the devil. Yeah. Where the fuck are the batteries? No. <laughs> You're like, no, for here? sure. I've been there not too long ago. But see there, literally, when I saw y'all talking earlier or you were communicating with her on the phone, I heard how you spoke to her. And I didn't, when I was walking away and I did, I'm just telling you the honest truth. Yeah. And I was judging it or interpreting it going, fuck, this guy is just, they just got done doing like a yoga session together <laughs> before or after sex. They're happy. And after. he's like, he's like, and you know, Here's the, you know, the, those, those batteries. And I'm like, man, talking about batteries that sweet. Damn it. How do I get there? <laughs> I swear to you. I swear to you. Those were thoughts. I believe I it. And, and, and it's again, not, it's not, Hey, babe, Sheila, if you're out there, I love you. I miss it. We're all good. I'm just saying. Well, again, three weeks ago, there was a very different version of me and a different version of her. And there was, it was a bad energy between us and it was, you wouldn't have, it was a different couple, but it, and, and that's, that's, I think your point exactly. Like it's hard and we get sold this idea that relationships aren't hard. You know, I fall in love, you get married, you have kids. It's like, no, it's, it's fucking work <laughs> and it can be amazing, but it, it takes communication. It takes, unfortunately for Sacrifice. men out there who aren't used to this, it takes vulnerability. And when I'm my best with my wife, she gets to see all my shit. 
And I don't, I'm not ashamed of anything. And I'm not, I mean, listen, I have my things that I keep to myself, <laughs> but ultimately I let her in. I think you're dead on. I think my fear, and this is really, there's something really sick to this somewhere is like, it's the idea of like, there's so much for me, there's like tons of uh, power and apology and amends with people. I'm um, just like that whole idea. Um, but, but I also think you've got to be very vulnerable to make genuine apologies where you're only really identifying your part of something. If you know, it's not, but then you have, for me, it, it's risk that I'm releasing because I'm giving them an opportunity to either use that against me in the future mm -hmm. or know my Achilles heels beyond belief, which requires trust. And then I look back at why was I hurt and not willing to trust in the past. But if that's the only path forward, which is vulnerability, you have to ultimately trust the person you're with. that They're not going to misuse it. And, and the byproduct is sticking who you were versus the idea of the risk that they may misuse it against you. And if that continued to happen over and over and over, they're probably not the right person. And like, you know, but I'm saying I stopped there on certain apologies, certain amends with certain people because of the risk perceived or fancied or whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, then using that against me as a categorical blanket versus an isolate. And it's like, what the fuck am I Johnny Cochran in my head for myself constantly that I can't even get through any fucking thing? Because you're going to use anything I fucking say. My voice. Now it's my voice. Now it's why I'm yelling, but I'm not emotional. But, you know, anyway. Um, That's it. It's the story. The story we're to have you are you familiar with Byron Katie's work at all? Uh, uh, no. Oh, she's amazing. Okay, we'll we'll link to her in the show notes. But in essence, she she we we all all we have is our stories, and almost all of them are false, but we believe them. Yeah, we believe them as much as something that's true or more so. And so that's why I told you earlier I didn't know if I was lying or not. Because yeah. over time, I'm like, how much has my mind changed this? Oh, sorry, but go ahead. And I think that's actually just like a biological thing. I think we just remember only a certain amount of our past anyway. I, I, no, I think you're accurate. Yeah. Just as an example of what you're talking about, how, will she use this against me? I, I understand that. And that's, an, a, that's a default operating for me, too. I have to remind myself that anything that I hold back any strategy I go in with is yeah. going to fuck everything up. <laughs> fuck, yeah. And so there's like, expectations. Well, in, in to a again, strategy. three weeks ago, I, we were button heads and I was, I just, there were a couple of things that she said that were just like stung like that. There was, there's something going on here. And so I was out here in the guest house and I was texting a buddy of mine. I said, dude, Peyton's acting like this, and, 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 and this guy's not married. He's in fact he he's he's not married. He's gay. Not that that has anything to do with it, but right? He's, but he he said he got it. He goes, she's there's a lot of energy going on right right now in the world. Yep, and maybe her needs just aren't being met. And it's like, oh yeah, wow, they're not. And what about mine? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, what what part do I have to play in that? And yeah. she's culpable as well. But, sure. But I don't need to go there. No, it has to be. So I fucking went in there, and I she was laying down on the couch, and I just went up and said, "I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what's going on, but this is that hasn't felt right." And I apologize. You know, like I just I haven't been here. 
physically present, not entirely, but emotionally. And, you know, my mind's been on the work and that was it. And that started us to where you saw us today. The power, the power of like, just, you know, um, surrender. Surrender. Surrender, but reconciliation, surrender. Surrendering is not like being a pussy. That's the thing. It, that, and that's the idea is pussy, the flip side, or the word really is vulnerable. Yes. And it's like that, there's tremendous fucking power so much. in being a pussy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like there is. And if we can, and I'm like, oh God, you know, um, that's interesting though. That's inspiring to hear though about the wife too. You know, I, I, I get it, you know. I, I, two things I'd say that just bring me home again is like this, just that for me to remember, just to continue to, uh, to me to try to remember to give without expectation and try to receive without judgment and, and, and just and receive without judgment is whatever the fuck your point of view is for any reason that it's none of my fucking business for what factored into that and me wanting to dissect it receive it without judgment or continue on your path or just remove yourself from ever having to receive anything and just be in, in and of yourself. I don't know. It's weird though, because when that guy said that to me, it's like giving without expectation. Oh, I've been giving with expectation of anything my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like almost everything. Mm -hmm. I have to even tra track my subconscious. Why was I going up to help that guy? Did I feel guilty about something else. I don't know. I, I, we can overthink. Yes, and were you doing it out of the goodness of your heart? Yes, it's that's the thing. It's, it's 50, not binary. No, it's uh, all of it. Yeah, and no, that's what we we we're we're taught in school. There's one answer. We're not taught inquiry. We're not taught to ask questions. We're taught to spit back someone else's answer with that experience. That's a whole nother fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, I, I heard something uh, uh, probably about a year ago, and it went something like this. To the guy who asked you the question and whoever at, comes at you with something that you don't necessarily see the same way, if you, if you actually had their life experience, if you walked in their shoes, you would say the same thing. They're only doing it based on like... Are our beliefs uh, a product of our circumstances? I think there's an element of free will and I think there's an element of just unconsciousness that's happening that is... Yep. is the programming and the more conscious we become, the more we can be, we can have agency over malleable. how we act. It's more malleable yes. with the amount of awareness that yeah. you gain over time. Right. That's in. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Well, but, because to your point, you were talking about getting in the other person's shoes so that you can understand their perspective based on like, look, dude, if you had had those circumstances and those things, then there's a reason he asked you that. It may have had nothing to do with you at all. Maybe, again, like we could go down the rabbit hole. No, no, I got you. I'm like, I'm just thinking that through. I'm like, okay. Uh, I mean, because I think what you said is true. It's like, yeah, it's perspective. It's it's experience, you know? it's uh, That's what's interesting, too. You said about experience. Like, I, well, no. I, yeah, this has been great. Uh I'm gonna have to leave and then figure out like, oh shit, 
Well, yeah. he, here's a question. Now for I'm you. like, now I'm totally screwed up. I was great before I came this in. This is perfect. We fucking me. blew it all up. That perfect. <laughs> Give me an opportunity to like heal and grow or something. Awesome. <laughs> I see what your fucking motive is. Well, you know what? What I really struggle with. It wasn't so much giving without expectation. It was more that when someone gave something to me, I felt like I needed to return something. I actually. Oh, I don't want anything. I had it. I had it. Exactly. So I had Unless it's what I want. Yes, exactly. When someone (laughs) gives to me out of love without needing anything reciprocated, it's really hard for me to just receive that. Why? I I don't know. Do you trust? I feel like for so long, I grew up with this idea that I wasn't enough and that I had to give and do things and provide and whether it was my family or do really well in school and go to a really good college and do well in sports and be uh, successful in trade, like do, accomplish all these things to show like, look, I'm good. I'm good enough. I, I matter. And it wasn't until about, just, I guess it was last year we were at Burning Man and it all kind of blew up for me. I was like, oh, I've been, you know, my wife and I had this moment and she, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but she's like, I live in this, this tent with you all I've ever wanted was you and I don't I don't want it like stuff's great I, I'm a, I appreciate all of it but I just and it's she wants the vulnerable the me the me that's inside beneath all the layers the armoring the masks the things she just wants that and same with my 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 best friends that's all they want yeah I know and, and it's what's so crazy is is you can give them 12 hours of chaotic, not being present, thoughtful directly at them, or 12 minutes of quality. And you see what happens with that quality of time. It's, uh, it's, um, it's the text I sent to this guy and said, how are you, a guy who I typically don't, but he felt that I was being real with that question and it turned something else. And I was like, I've been talking to this guy for like a year every day. We just never talked like that. And it was a shift that was that quick and I just saw something different. I'm like, oh, damn it, you know? It's the quality. Yeah, you're right. We're so we're so, such a quantity based mindset here, but it's that quality. You're right. Like twelve hours versus twelve it, minutes. You're of right. Just My wife connection. She ju- if if I gave her twelve minutes of like the most authentic connection I was capable of today, which now I'm like I need to like do it, but not me. But it. But the question- I'm afraid. Here's the other thing. How fucking selfish I'm in. I'm afraid of the precedent that sex. Two, the next day they have to do 12 minutes because I'm enlightened in that moment to give. And then I'm like, but don't hold that against me tomorrow when I have fucking shit to do. I'm so fucking psycho. I'm like planning all this fucking shit in my head. No, it's, but, but, <laughs> it's like, but, what the fuck? but, but I think what you're speaking to is the flip side of it is a, a lot. Not that you, we do have things to do and there are things that are on deadlines and those are useful. That's important. Sure. But what I, came to realize again recently because I got in that whole deadline impatient mindset that I was completely disconnected to anything. My fucking, what I'm supposed to be doing, my my wife, my kids, I've, all of it. I've been too. <laughs> completely. And so <laughs> I've really tried to take a step back from that and try to live in the now. And I know that's so esoteric in some ways. But I can tell you right now that things are getting done. I'm prioritizing. But when I'm 
not here in my kind of workspace, I'm not here. And I'm not saying that's gonna not gonna change. No, 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 I got but you. But when it does, the sooner I can become aware of it and recognize like I'm back into that automatic, like trying to get shit done. There's n- course correct. You're never gonna slash, get everything not, done. There's not. always gonna be more to do if you choose that. And for me, it was an escape. I was impatient. Yep. It and is. So, it is. So, so, which was funny because now it can bring us all to like the biggest question of life, which was you were talking about, you know, um, well, no, I want to ask you this, man. I asked you. Not because I'm so deep. It's because I don't know the answer. That's why I'm curious. Mm. I'm not trying to challenge you as the Mr. Pod Master. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. I ask people that I respect or I know that have more experiences or whatever. But like, what's the purpose of life for you? What is the purpose of life for you? Like, or what is the meaning of life? Or what do you think? How do you answer to that in, in a way that is, can you be more specific? And I'm just, cause I'm just curious of some people would say it's to glorify God. Some people would say it is to be happy. Some people it is to, to grow into whatever the best self version of myself i'm supposed like i'm just curious do you have you do you have a way to articulate what you think your purpose or meaning is or do you think that's even relevant or meaningful like do you know what i'm asking you i'm just trying to ask you i think it's an amazing question it's something that i've been trying to really figure out for let's call it two and a half years um because i think prior to that i had that little itch like whoa why am i here and i had none of the tools to figure it out and so i would never go there right so now I feel like I've I've developed some of the tools and I've been okay not knowing. In cool. fact, that's I think where the real juice is, is just be curious and let the questions present more questions and better questions. Now, I'm not getting a, I'm not trying to get away from the answer. I think the answer no, no. the answer for me if I could articulate it is for me to to capture this flow state in life and that requires me to be in the present moment and that means that i am showing up in a way that i don't even have to think about i am just 100% me and i am giving and i am of service in whatever that means whether it's doing a podcast whether it means being with my wife and giving her all my attention, not because I have to think about it because I am so enraptured with her mm-hmm. and I feel that deep connection and that energy or to play basketball with my kids and just n- and not be thinking about this work I need to do. Right. It's, it's being present in, in losing the, losing the element of time and it's hard. Yeah. Um, but when I'm in it, it feels really good. And when I'm not in it, that's okay too. That's where I learn. I, I, that's what I heard from you earlier. You're like, it's, it's, about, it's about when you get these moments of that awareness, you're also aware that you're, it's not binary and you're going to stay in that position of a pure awareness. Right. It's the ability to identify what it feels like and know in what it is of sorts. And then you can course correct or identify that. And the more often you do it as a practice, whatever those mechanisms or thing that leads you back to that place of not having to think about time and to be fully present. That there is no, I think we talked about, there's no destination. 
per se. It's because no one can answer that. It doesn't even matter. I mean, you could say that. Is it a dollar amount? Is it a place you're going to end up? You know, it's, I think what you're, it's really, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's like when we can put like a, a, whether it's a dollar amount or a thing, then for me, that's not it. But right. I, I spent a lot of my life thinking about that. But it, it's it becomes a state of being that you can't even, you, I don't think you can articulate. You just know. I, I think just you're right. No. It's just that you're in the right thing. It's, it's almost like that. It's just, this is, just, this is. And honestly, it's when I'm just accepting of when I'm in the flow state and when I'm at the opposite end of the flow state. And it's just like, okay, that's just where I'm at. I'm going to work to pull myself out of that because I don't like being in the unconscious <laughs> mind, but it's yeah. also not damning myself for being there because I am human and I will go back there and it's okay. It's part of the learning. Those are the reps that get you back to that period of, I think of flow. Yeah. I mean, this is out of my pay grade where you're going right now. And, and what, no, know. what I'm saying is I hear you and and it's like it sounds like something I would want to order off the menu if I wanted mm. to be enlightened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that makes sense. And I get what he's saying, and I get why he can't even use any more adjectives or nouns for that. I get it. I get it. And it sounds cool. Yeah, that whole idea of present for me, because my even Matt Shook, my buddy who owns Juice Land and stuff. He's I've seen him change his life in two or three years over uh, yoga and meditation. I'm like, oh, please don't tell me that again, people. And they're like, mm-hmm. you. I'm going to tell you until you do because I care about you. And I'm like, what? Shut up. Fuck, you're so enlightened. Damn it. They're like the things I don't want to do that people have recommended. They slow the mind down. They slow. I think I'm scared of what I would feel. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep my brain moving with stuff that I can rationalize as being good and productive, but not going into my inners. That's it. Well, it's the pro- stay distracted. Product, but even still, like let's productive. look at it. Let's, let's yeah. look at the positive, like productive achievement. You know, reaching goals. We're taught all these things. All the successful men and women growing up. That's what they did. So we have that ingrained in our head. It's not the thing. You can do that and slow things down. You're not risking it. You're actually finding. You're leveraging those achievements in a much greater way. And then you're actually disconnecting. You're, you're no longer attached to those achievements. Because when you hit the achievement, it's fucking gone. And now you have to throw another one out there. You have another to keep one. up in the ante. Yes. And if you don't up the ante, then you really get to a really shitty place. Yes. And then you have to. <laughs> and you're in, not good enough. And in, in, in I found in the course of doing, I'm just not. You can't. It's really hard to be and do at the same time and so in the being in the stillness is where i think you can enjoy the this life that we have whatever it means for each of us you know i think you know you clearly have a gift of articulating this stuff and engaging people at least that's my opinion just thank you rolling with you and and my and again the blessing that you've had to have gained financial freedom to enable you also Mm. Um, the greater amount of time mm-hmm. to experience what that's like to understand it. So you can be in the shoes of someone aspiring for it or someone who has it or whatever. Right. But then the flip side to discover this softer side, this less concrete, this less conditioned societal angle and stuff is a, it's a, it's not everybody gets it. They don't have time to breathe and stop. I want to bring up something that you said yeah, earlier, please don't use that. At, don't play the victim. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I know you're big on that. No, no, no. Well, but it's easy. I say that I know. It's easy to look at me and say, well, it must be nice. Let me be clear on that. I've been seeing people like with COVID and people are like, we really got to unite and stuff. And then they're, they're showing them in their New York place or whatever. No, no, no. What I'm saying is for someone who's had the blessing to have success, and I've been successful because I'm about to go home to my own home after this. Right. And I'm saying that I, I'm grateful for you to be one of the ones who has been able to achieve success mm. and that not be the end. That's mm. what I really Oh, suggest. okay. No, I, I get, that's, that's how I mean it. Not from a sense of the privileged way for you to be able to have enlightened thinking. No, I'm just, I wanted to overemphasize mm, the it. gratitude in that type of position. And it, and it kind of resonates probably back with some of the biblical teachings. It's harder for a rich man to go to heaven, you know, easier to go through a, uh, the eye of a needle, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. So I'm thinking about it. And so did you see where that shit goes back in my mind? That's yes. where I came from. Yes. And I was like, look at you. You are a rich man and you're going to be able to go through the eye of a needle. <laughs> yes. And through the, see, I'm mastery. Conditioning. <laughs> well, I think with that, yeah. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to share or... Any, anything we miss about clean cause that that your investors would be happy for you to say or or what? Yeah, it's everything I didn't say is what they'd be. They'd look, you know, it's like we have the best product because it's better caffeine and doesn't make you feel like shit. Um, yeah. So uh, yerba mate is a, a, a tea from South America. I call it the Hercules of teas, mm. and um, it's just really nutrient rich and. Um, it's it's functional. I mean, I'm a, I'm someone in recovery slash an addict still, and I, so I like things that make me go and feel and stuff. My point is, is that you know I chose it over coffee or any other drinks like energy drinks because it has a smoother release of energy for me. And so, um, in terms of of it's an organic source of caffeine, like a tea, and it's just super strong. And so, um, you know, there's that's it's better caffeine. Great. That's how I've positioned it. It's better caffeine. Perfect. You know? So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I want, you know, you talked about bars too really quick. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, the bars for me, so there's this COVID going on and we have this brand that was in quotes about to explode. We have all the pieces in place. We have all the money. All Everything's about to happen the way I was dreaming it up to happen. And then, boom, this hits. And I'm like, Okay, so I was able to be bold and innovate and stuff. And I'm like, what do you do now? Do you, do you continue to have that spirit of innovation and stuff in the midst of everyone pulling back and things? And so I've just started to look at opportunities to lean in and try to find, like, what can we do to defy the logic that everyone assumes is the right way? Mm. And so for me, it was like, can I look? I want to help create jobs and maybe, you know, maybe I create this bar. And I'm giving the social and political capital because we're getting to push it out there because I do need something in my brain and investment. And then they have a product to go sell and they keep the profits for their nonprofit. Like 100%. Mm. My is I have the platform, the people, and the purpose behind it to make these things happen. So I wanted to lean in. Um, we'll probably just delete all that from the podcast, but that was the reason for the bars. <laughs> well, then, and, and, and I do want to ask, yeah. because I forgot earlier, tell us about the sober living scholarship what what does that look like sure it's a so you know when we did the 50 percent of the profits we we knew we wanted to drill down further than that even though 50 is a big word people know they're like okay where does it go 
you know, so then going into mm-hmm. and looking at the continuum of care, but not being like a sociologist or an addictionologist or any background like that. I'm like, just where's the fucking passion lead? Like, okay, so I'd been to five rehabs, six rehabs, whatever. When I got out, I'd always went back to my environment that was normal. Or I went like one time to a sober living. You come out of rehab ready to, with a lot, oftentimes a renewed sense of like life and purpose. And you're like excited. Call it cloud, you know, pink cloud or riding a wave or whatever. It doesn't, you feel it. But if you don't have a place to go or be in an environment that is safe, supportive, allows you an opportunity to, to focus on getting a job or something, that's what the sober livings do. It's just a bridge between rehab and reintegration. 30-day sober living in a supportive environment that allows you to establish a recovery routine and the uh, opportunity to get a job. And so that was not being served, and it still isn't. Mm-hmm. We're spending $50,000 on rehabs for 30 days, feeling badass, coming out and getting sucker punched or feeling like we were sucker punched and thrown out the window. Boom, we had another 30 days on that for $500. No. $500 to $1,000. No shit. Yeah. What a great insurance policy. Well, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, now, all, not all sober livings are creative equal and blah, 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 blah. But the point is, it's a fraction. Absolutely. Of what that 30 days was. And, and what I want to be able to eventually show, and I think it wouldn't be crazy, is that that extra 30 days increases the chances by 7,000% for someone. Yeah. But we don't have the data on all that. Yeah. But that's where, again, my gut, Saul, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't have a place that's safe and you're coming out and you go straight back to the same environment, it's going to be more difficult for you. So it's a practical need. We've done that. And we've, um, you know, I've had amazing experiences. Um, again, yesterday I was feeling like shit. I was having a pity party and I was yeah. like, fuck all the investors, fuck everybody. Yeah. You know, fucking burn the whole fucking thing down and just go away. What I, like I went there for a minute in my brain. I mean, mm-hmm. I get, that's where I go sometimes. And then I look at uh, social media and there's a, like a 13-year-old girl holding a clean can and said, this company scholarships my mom's sober living for the first two months. And I had no clue who she was or anything. And I go, that's why I'm fucking doing this. Yeah, that's goosebumps I, right I'm like, there. get your wow. shit back together right now, you pity party bastard. Let's roll. Just and don't that, call yourself a pussy. Yeah, I didn't say pussy. I said pity party bastard. <laughs> bastard. And, no pussy anymore. I'm not a pussy. No. I think it, I, I need to own being a pussy and feel good about it, maybe. Yeah. You know, in the tech context of this world's use. I'm like, I own the pussy. Yeah, and man. I fucking love it, dude. Own that shit. It's awesome. Yeah, that's the real, that's the, that's the realness of us. It really is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny, too. You talk about, like, you know, the realness of us as a human and separating male and female and the machismo of our mm. society, but just of men and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, you know, could I tell your listeners right now if I've ever had a gay experience, yes or no, or something like that? I know this is crazy. How vulnerable would I be willing to get or not because of that machismo, but living in it, and, and right now I'm not willing to answer sure. that. Sure. But my point is, is like that, yeah. like that machismo is so deep and so heavy and so hard on us yeah. that like to even like say something like, it just, I don't know. It, it's just been, it's my, I don't know why I went the gay experience thing. I think there. that is a great place to go because I think that is so hard for so many men to even accept that that is a possibility. No, where, even the where, Right, where it is. They can't even have the thought. Where it's such a possibility <laughs> and it has happened for so many men that it is just like stuffed down there so far 
That's why. I, I tell people this. This is what I used to say to the guys like at that party I was telling you about in Hollywood. It was a bunch of gay guys, which I love. I used to love partying with gay guys. It's the best. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's profiling, race, that, whatever. <laughs> I just fucking said it, so I don't care. <laughs> gay yeah. guys are not a fucking party. So anyway, but I was like, uh, you know, the gay guys were like, hey, dude, let's talk about, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, I go, here's my thing. Like, um, and, and I don't mean it's bad. When I say this, I go, I go guys, like, I go, I go, I'm a pretty experimental guy. And I was like, you know, I've, I've, I've smoked crack and lots of times. And most people don't think that's a good idea or couldn't be around. But I was willing to do it. And I was like, I just, I don't, I don't really want to smoke crack tonight like that. Like, I'm just not into that tonight. Oh, I would. And they just go, that's a pretty good point, man. Okay, do this party. And they let me just party with them. Yeah. And there was no more advancement because they trusted that what I was saying was real. I just wanted to be there and party. And I don't know where this is going. And this is nothing to say about homosexuals or not. No, I'm just saying it happened to deal with in the moment that I was even able to go, well, yeah, I just don't really, because that wasn't your flavor. Not that night or not then. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think about men or what men. It's just, and I don't think I'm gay. I'm not, but I'm not some super sexed over heterosexual guy either. I thought I was like asexual most of my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's why I was hoping that maybe someone would tell me I'd been abused. So then right. I had an explanation for it. Right. All of that out. No. That's where we're landing the plane. You're like, that's the only part we're going to talk about. The fact my Republican friends right now listening going, holy shit. They're like, wait, is he saying that he's been gay? Awesome, Wes. Wes Hurt, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thanks, Kara, for making this happen. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or Head on over to thegreatunlearned.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click.